Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Blue Dash Business Dash Plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. In the Spreaker chat, this way we can let in our good friend Bill WD-40 to lube us up for tonight's show. And uh, I'll be able to see right here when he pops on in. Dirty Filth is in the chat room, so is Travis DeLuca. How are you? Michael Haywood, thanks for coming on in. Blue Cruise, good to see you. And uh, who else? Midnight Sasquatchers, how are you? And uh, let's see here. Paula W., how are you? Where have you been hiding? So good to see you. <clears throat> I got a froggy in my throat. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Well, close enough, man. Close Grand Paul Holland. Less Paul Holland. Same dude. Still so awesome. We're caught up on the names. A reminder to all of you that the Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. Hi, Crystal J. How are you? There he is, ladies and gentlemen. You can see him right there. Bill WD-40 lubing up that chat room as we speak. We love you, Bill. Thank you. Richard Elmore, good to see you. We got 10 seconds. Super Chat is open. You can do some shopping at spacedoutradio.com. And everyone, it's that time where I ask. Horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading the news wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We're going into the weird and strange tonight. Steve Stockton from Missing Person Mysteries on YouTube is here tonight to talk about missing people. Then in hour number three, we got the Swamp Dweller kicking things off. Terry Hall will fill in for an ailing little Timmy Senor on the UFO report where we're going to get into each of our top three stories of 2022 in the UFO world. It's going to be a great, great show tonight. Well, because of that, let's get right to it. Our good friend Steve Stockton from the YouTube channel Missing Persons Mysteries is an author, 
researcher and investigator of all things strange. Steve's invested cases, investigated cases of missing people all around the world, along with his team, and he's also gone after strange cryptid tales that seem to surround these missing people. How are people vanishing? How do, are they just there one minute, and then the next minute they're gone, never to be seen again? Are they being taken by people? Are they being kidnapped by aliens? Are they new best friends of the Sasquatch and Dogman that are running around? Or have they entered different portals? We're going to find out so much about this tonight. Steve Stockton, thank you so much for coming on Spaced Out Radio, my friend. How are you? Well, let's get your mute button. Hey, thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. Say hi to everybody in the chat there. A lot of my people here. You guys on your best behavior. Be sure to like and subscribe for Dave there. I appreciate that, my man. You know, you are one of my favorite people in this industry, man, because you work hard. Your hard work is paid off along with your partner, Bill, and you've got an incredible team of writers that includes good friends of ours, Thin Lizzy, as well as uh, Bigfoot Rob. And I'll tell you, man, the way you've, you guys have put this channel together and bringing these mysteries, I often, and, and I don't say this often, but I will often cheat on Swamp Dweller at night and play him for a little bit and then fall asleep to your, uh, your wonderful voice. Of mystery, yeah, I get friend. that a lot. Apparently, I'm good for putting people to sleep, but it also helps people with chronic pain, uh, fibromyalgia, PTSD, insomnia. If, if my voice helps you, then then God bless you. I'm all for it. Steve, how did you get involved with this type of programming? Because one of the things that scares the daylights out of everybody is when people go missing, whether it's children whether it's college kids, adults, even even the elderly. I mean, what brought you to this topic? Well, it, it really started at a very young age. Uh, the Dennis Martin case in 1969 went missing from the uh, Great Smoky Mountains on Father's Day of that year. I lived in the same town as Dennis and was about the same age. He was, I think, six going on seven, and I was five going on six. And it just it was really a loss of innocence for me. That was the first time I realized that, yes, a kid can go missing without a trace and uh, never found. It'll be the, in 2023, it'll be the 53rd anniversary or 52nd. I can't do math in my head, but 50 something years of that disappearance and uh, never, never any clue, never anything found. And it just stuck with me. And uh, it was all over the local news, of course, and stuff at the time. And uh, I followed the story in the, the local papers there and, uh, Somewhere I've still got a couple of scrapbooks full of clippings. I just, you know, every day I'd wake up thinking, oh, he'll be found today. And it just, it never happens. I can't imagine the parents. His dad passed away a few years ago on uh, Halloween, my birthday. And um, no closure, none whatsoever. And that would have to be the worst. I mean, it'd be bad enough for a child or a parent or loved one of any sort to go missing. But to not have that closure, to never know what happened, to never find a body. They never even find a clue. In Dennis's case, I think they only had maybe one footprint that they weren't even sure was his because there were some scouts in there uh, helping search for him in the Smokies, and uh, they were wearing similar footwear. But literally just there one minute gone the next, his dad watched him go behind a a clump of brush and uh, some other kids that uh, his his brother was there with him and some another family named Martin was also there, kind of a Fordian. 
coincidence there. And I don't believe in coincidence. I think everything's connected, but you see that in a lot of cases. The name game is as Lauren Coleman coined it. But uh, so I'm go go behind the, the brush. The other kids came out, no Dennis. He went, looked for him. He went all the way around it, went inside it, no kid. Uh, he took off uh, down the Appalachian Trail, which goes right through the edge of Spence Field there where they were at uh, for Father's Day. And uh, his dad, Dennis's grandfather, ran down to the ranger station. And within just a short time, uh, it was the greatest uh, search and rescue effort in the Smokies ever. And uh, again, no closure. What what took him? I mean, there's been stories of a, a hairy creature that was seen carrying something red over its shoulder up a hollow by the Key family in another area of the park just after they'd heard a blood-curdling scream. And Dennis was wearing a red jacket. And that that's another thing. There's a lot of similarities and a lot of anomalous things in these cases. A lot of people that, that do go missing tend to be wearing red. Not all of them, but a lot of them. You'd think somebody wearing red would be easier to spot, but it's just the opposite. And uh, you know, no explanation. You know, Steve, with a lot of these cases, the majority of us think, okay, there's kidnappers in the area. And for many of these cases, it might actually be true. However, there seems to be people who go missing every year where this, the circumstances are so mysterious like the this uh, young Dennis case, okay, where there's no way that that child should have vanished. There's no way that a child should, you know, uh, run to get it, their their slippers off the porch, and all of a sudden they're gone in the middle of nowhere where you know there's no human beings. I mean, we can have such an imagination about what is truly happening, but you and your team are actually investigating this. Is there high strangeness? going on with a lot of these cases there there is there there's cases where it's absolutely uh human predation or big animal cat attack or bear attack things like that but then there are cases where it just makes absolutely no sense i mean we're literally uh there was a case we covered recently about a woman that went missing i think it was in the mojave and i, I cover so many of them they all kind of blur together after a while but they actually were able to follow her footprints to in the sand to point where the footprints just stopped. There was no further footprints. Nothing was ever found. No clothing, no body, nothing. It wasn't in a place where an animal or a human or anything natural that we're aware of could have taken her because it left no footprints. So what, what is that? Is it a portal? Uh, aliens? Uh, yes, all the above. I, I think there's, there's cases out there that fit all that criteria. Had a video that came out yesterday about the, uh, Alvin Ostman uh, Bigfoot uh, abduction. Now, he, he lived to tell the tale, but uh, he was carried off uh, in his sleeping bag and all and was lived with a family Sasquatch. Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. 
Family Dollar, we know you want more to enjoy your summer. That's why you'll find more in every store. Everything you need to treat and refresh your family, like our assortment of ice cream, frozen treats, snacks, and drinks from the brands you love. And everything you'll need if things get a little messy, like cleaning supplies and laundry products, all in one convenient place at great value. Family Dollar, helping you do more. For a time until he could finally get away. But it makes you wonder how many didn't get away. In the, the same video, we covered another girl that uh, her and an older gentleman had gone out. He supposedly had some sort of uh, mental connection with uh, the Sasquatch. He could talk to them, and he promised to uh, show, them, show them to her. And uh, he claimed that one ran out of the woods, grabbed her, and ran back into the woods, and she was never seen again. Of course, he was the person of interest, the prime suspect, but he never wavered from his story. So... Is that what happened? I mean, he's the only one that knows and her, uh, and uh, there you go. I got to ask you, in regards to this, I mean, you have talked and your team have talked to hundreds of eyewitnesses over the years you've been doing this channel, and you, you've made connections throughout. When it comes to the police and the investigators that are looking at this, when they go to the public, they they talk about the disappearance. They talk about, you know, we have some some people that of interest that we want to talk to. But behind the scenes, do they feel that there is high strangeness going on as well? I, I think there is. I've talked to some officers off the record. And, of course, you know, Occam's razor, usually the, the simplest explanation is the most correct. But there's cases where it just it doesn't make any sense. And a lot of times... Uh, the guys that are out there in the field, they're pressured from their superiors, you know, let's close this case. Let's, you know, get this resolved. And they may not tell everything they know about it. Uh, Aaron Hedges case, uh, Hunter that went missing and uh, uh, they found his remains within sight of a, an occupied cabin. It's like he just sat down and froze to death with that. It doesn't make any sense. And I actually interviewed the young lady, for the channel, her and her father were the ones that found the remains in an area that had been searched many, many times, uh, approximately two or three, almost three years after we went missing. And uh, we weren't able to share the photograph because of the out of respect for the family. But she sent me a picture of the skull as the way they found it. They were on a trail ride at a dude ranch. And again, they'd searched this area many times. The, uh, the trail rides from the dude ranch probably passed by there no fewer than a hundred times since he'd been missing with different riders. But uh, the, the wranglers, the ranch hands, nobody noticed this human skull out there till uh, she and her dad spotted it. And it, it was, was him. And just, there was a lot of stuff in that case that made no sense. And um, the, uh, after they recovered his remains, they told the people that owned the ranch, well, if you find anything else, just bury it. We've got all that we need. I that that to me that's just incomprehensible. That's the, somebody's remains out there to tell them just oh just bury it. We've got enough to identify him. I mean I don't know how the family felt about that, but yeah, I've talked to some officers off the record that agree there's something out there that doesn't make sense. There's so many different theories. There's of course you've mentioned most of them: Bigfoot, aliens, portals, uh, some kind of government. Uh, shenanigans, uh, either ours or somebody else's, uh, where we've traded um, access to humans for experimentation in exchange for technology. 
or, uh, and again, some of it's just pure misfortune. I mean, people are ill-equipped or ill-prepared, overestimate their own abilities, but in order to go missing to a point where nobody can find you, and there's people that simply don't want to be found. There's simply people that wander off that, that want to disappear, and uh, they're usually found most of the time years later in another place living under another name, but those are a rarity. And uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it's all of the above. It's a fae. Is it Bigfoot? Is it aliens? Is it UFOs? Is it serial killers? Yes. <laughs> Pick one. Because there's there's cases that uh, easily fit within each of those criteria. Wow. And, 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 you know, the fact that we just don't know what is going on and, and what is happening. I mean, how do you go about picking these cases for missing persons mysteries well we we try to to go for the stranger ones you know the ones that the the mysterious ones that just that's the whole you know point of the channel missing persons and mysteries the mystery side of that can be wide open now on the, the missing person side we don't really pick and choose we just try to do our best to cover as many as we can and sort of uh our mission statement if you will is if we can bring one person home or give one family closure by spreading this awareness, by boosting the signal, getting those names and faces out there, then we're doing what we've been called to do, what we feel has been laid on our heart. But in the process of doing this, the ones that are just, uh, I don't even want to say routine missing persons cases because any one is not any more important than another. But we've run across some that were very, very strange. And some of the strangest ones, Dave, are the people that have come back and either don't remember exactly what happened or are unwilling to talk about it or tell some fantastical tale about being in another place that, that didn't make any sense. So uh, in their mind, maybe they were gone for only a few hours, but they've been missing for days. There's one case we covered the gentleman when arguing with search and rescue that I couldn't have been gone for that long. The, the sun never set. And you're saying I've been gone for three days. Likewise, there's been people that are only missing for a few hours but when they're found, they recall having seen the sun rise and set several times. Well, where were they? They weren't here. Were they uh, teleported, apported? Was there some type of glitch in uh, the time or an alternate dimension? Or it just it boggles the mind you more, the more you delve into some of these. And then in the cases where there's truly something amiss, like where you have a child that goes missing, and then he's found, and then he say, oh, says, oh, a bear or a big dog found me, took me to a cave, cuddled with me, fed me berries, kept me warm, and then brought me back out and put me on the trail where I'd be found. And then the authorities want to say, oh, well, there you go. It was a bear. Nothing to see here. Go home. But you and I both know bears don't behave that way. There's not a bear out there that's going to cuddle with a child and and pick berries to feed to it and, and things like that. That's just not the way animals in the wild work. And I hear that a lot, too, as a rebuttal. Oh, it's just, you know, it was a big cat attack or a, a bear got him or something like that. Well, again, it doesn't happen like that. And when it does, there's evidence. There's forensic evidence. Uh, I've seen just some horrific pictures of uh, big cat attacks. Uh, there's disturbance in the ground cover. There's blood. There's uh, tissue. There's torn clothing. There's, you know, it's it, nothing out there can take you. A hundred percent, even a serial killer. I mean, if it is something like that, they, they operate uh, without making any mistakes and with a hundred percent effectiveness. And that's just not possible 
to not leave any evidence behind. So there's some cases that just can't be explained by any natural means. Well, there's the famous case in, in North Carolina that happened two years ago around this time where a little boy went missing for two days, said he was with a giant teddy bear, and the place where they found him in the briar patch had been investigated four times, four times, and that boy was not there. And you know what? Anybody who knows anything about nature in winter where there's bears, if bears wake up during their hibernation, uh, it is literally they are angry, they are hungry, and if they have a free meal, they're going to take it. A child, would be a, a child would be a free meal. Okay. In my area, about seven, eight years ago, way before I moved here, okay, there was a child taken right off his deck by a black bear for food. And the child ended up passing away. The bear had crushed the, the poor boy's skull. Okay. But, I mean, you have to be careful in nature when you have bear awareness. And because you never know what's going to happen. That being said, you know, with this case in North Carolina where the child said, I I was kept warm by a a, a big teddy bear. How else is a three-year-old going to describe a Sasquatch? Right. They have no frame of reference for that. And that's just just what comes out. And that's common. And the thing you said there about in areas that have previously been searched, it's almost like whatever takes people when and if it returns them, it likes to taunt those that are searching for us. It'll, uh, people alive and deceased have been found in search places that have been searched numerous times. The one part that really bugs me about this, though, is when you get areas, Steve, where, say, say any person, doesn't matter whether it's a child or a 30-year-old hiker, where their clothes are found folded neatly on rocks. The, yeah, you know. that's that's another mystery. Of, or hanging from a tree limb, or their boots left uh, side by side, and they've continued on in the snow. That's supposedly what happened with Aaron Hedges that I was talking about. They found his boots some distance from where they found his body in uh, three feet of snow. And there is the you know the paradoxical undressing when you're freezing to death, the hypothermia sits in your body starts generating as much heat as it can to try to warm the core and you feel hot. You're, you know, maybe sweating or sweltering. So some people will strip off to try to alleviate that. But I mean, this guy was a hunter. He, he was used to deer and elk hunting and things. And you're not going to take your boots off to, to walk several miles in the snow, no. which he did. <laughs> and, and I, and, I uh, don't get it. I don't get it, my friend. And supposedly where they found the rest of his remains uh, prior to to finding the other parts of him, they said it looked like he had just sit down on a rock and and literally melted into his clothing. And that's that's common, too, where they'll find the clothing on a log or on a rock with the leg bones still in the pants. Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Blue Dash Business Dash Plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The, uh, the the feet bones still in the socks, the boots missing, the rest of the clothing missing or, or hanging up or folded neatly. Uh, been people found with their clothing turned inside out. Now, that's that an animal's not going to do that. And uh, we were talking about bear. bear. Bear attacks are exceedingly rare, uh, like in the Smoky Mountains, for example. A lot of bear up there. But uh, in the, the since the inception of the park in the 30s, I think there have been five fatal bear attacks. But in that same amount of time, there have been 50 small plane crashes in the Smokies. So you're much likely to perish flying over the Smokies in a small plane than you are to be eaten by a bear. But it does happen. It's like you said, if they're, they're coming out of hibernation or they're woken out of hibernation, they're hungry. They're, they're angry. They're not happy. And again, it's you're in their territory when you're in the woods. You're not the apex predator there. You're food. It'd be no different than if I saw a cheeseburger walking through my living room and I ate it. Same if, if you're in the ocean and a shark eats you. He, he's, it's not being aggressive. It's not doing anything other than its own natural, uh, what it uh, knows to do. It sees something swimming. Oh, I'm going to eat that. Yeah, and uh, a lot of times it, it, it's sad they will, when they have those bear attacks, they will go in and uh, euthanize the bear, sometimes by not so nice means. And I just, you know, to me, that's just wrong. You, you know that. You take that risk when you go out there. And you have bear spray and uh, things that you can use, a firearm. But uh, it, you're, you're in their neighborhood. You're on their block. So... Uh, watch yourself. Same with the big cat. We covered a story where uh, two men had taken, I believe it was either a moose or an elk, and they were field dressing their kill, and they were attacked by a mountain lion, and it got one of them. And there's been cases like that where bear have attacked too. So again, you've got the food. They want the food. They'll take the food. And even if you're near not the food, they will do what they have to do to get it away from you. Well, that, that's very true. we got about 40 seconds here before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour for Missing Persons Mysteries YouTube channel. Steve Stockton is here tonight. Steve, you know, with everybody that, that is gone missing, you know, whether they're young, whether they're old, and they, they just vanish, are there any patterns in the clues that, that we uh, have seen? There, there are. There are certain things that, that happen again and again. Uh, place names have a lot to do with it. Uh, places with uh, devil names or, or weird names of Skull Canyon, Skeleton Gulch, Devil's Tower, places like that. There's there's something to that. And I don't know if those places are so named because of things that have happened there. Steve, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. We're going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Missing persons, mysteries, missing people, just vanishing with no reason why. We'll get more with Steve Stockton for Missing Persons Mysteries right after this. God, I love this topic. 
That was a great first segment. I couldn't get enough in there in 40 seconds, but I'll continue about the name game because that fascinates me. And there are other similarities in a lot of cases. Uh, how long have we got here on the break? I probably we got about five minutes, buddy. Real... We got about five okay, minutes. Okay, I'm going to run my dog out real yeah, quick. Yeah, you go I'll right ahead. Hi, Dirty Filth. Hello, Dave. What are you drawing? Well, uh, it's kind of a secret. It's probably probably an alien, probably a Sasquatch. It looks like it. it. Looks like it. I would like you to do me a favor, if you don't mind, Dirty Filth. Do you a favor, he says. Yes, please. I even said please. You notice that? Can't say no now. Tell everybody where they can find your calendar and your books and all that good stuff. Well, you go to if you go to filthy dot com, spelt with Y's, you can find all my books there. Oh wait, second book's not out yet, but the first book is there. Calendar's there. You can also acquire prints from there, and if you really wanted, I don't know, a drawing of some sort, you can email me and. We can hash out a plan. Very nice. Very nice. You have to write down like a nice nice little plug myself speech there, Dave. Yeah, you, you, you're getting better. You're getting better. I'm trying to work on the drawing and speaking, talking, drawing. It's tough. It's, it's like just w- terrible. Walking and chewing gum. It's terrible. <laughs> you know, I tried that at work once, and I almost drowned. Mm. Uh, can't chase you get a popcorn tape. machine at my work. Oh, I can't. I love and hate popcorn at the same time. Uh, Dave, when are you Was writing a book? Say? It's about three quarters done. I haven't worked on it in about eight months, nine months. Uh, I get frustrated. Hi, W. David Page, Mac Geek. Griffin Christian Bowman, welcome to SOR Chat. Jeremy Jones, good to see you. Um, Jeremy, jeez. Uh, you know, you caught me in a conundrum here because one of the greatest things I ever did in life about 11 years ago was I quit golf. And all of a sudden, this past fall going into winter, I had the urge to restart golf again. But I haven't yet. So I'm not sure if uh, I will be anywhere ready to golf in May. I don't even own clubs anymore. That's how much I gave up golf. But I was thinking of uh, getting a set. Finding a good set of left-handed clubs, though, is tough. Well, you're a grandpa now, Dave. You have to do golfing. Yeah, I know. It's an old person sport. Ouch. You went there, eh? Like like bingo. Yeah. High speed gaming for the elderly. Well, that's why you were cruising around the bingo lots in Vegas last year. Or earlier this year. I was. It's almost next year, Dave. Mm-hmm. I'll be back at the bingo lots beating those old timers. Mm-hmm. Nobody can make a kite. As quick as you, filth. Dark Winter Wolf, how you doing? 
who commented on? Hold on, let me get there. Oh, hi, Sparkles, who's just recently started golf again. Yeah, one For of the a second I thought it was my electrician, buddy. Yeah, you know what? One of the greatest days of my life was when I gave up golf. I really don't want to go back. I really don't. I want to say a big so thank there will you. Be no space though, radio golf tournament. Uh, I don't know. You know that takes time and. And, you know, you got to have dirty filth kind of money to do that. Big thank you tonight for Deb kicking off the Super Chat at T2E. Thank you so much. Uh, Steam Train Mark, thank you for letting me know that I am alive in the future tomorrow. I appreciate that. There's one of our favorite veterans, Surf Jer, for coming on in. Thank you, Surf Jer. We love you, buddy. Uh, great veteran there. Um, let's see. I like mini golf. That's true. And there's Steve Stockton. All right, here we go, everyone. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate you tuning us on in. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Let's continue on tonight from Missing Persons Mysteries on YouTube. We have the man, the voice behind all the spooky stories. Steve Stockton is here with us talking about people who just vanish into nowhere. Steve, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, yeah, as, as I was saying, uh, the name game is was what it's referred to as. Uh, famously, um, Lauren Coleman has written about it. Um, before him, Charles Forts uh, wrote about it probably in the 30s or 40s or even before when he wrote his books. But places that have an odd name, odd things tend to happen there. Now, I don't know if it's you know life imitating art or art imitating life or but anything with the devil, Diablo, anything like that in the name, there's going to be strange things there. Now, is it so named by uh, First Nations people, indigenous people, because the things that have happened there? Or is it like a Tulpa effect? Where Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Blue dash Business dash Plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because it's so named, that draws strange things to it. But uh, you, you tend to see that. Uh, uh, Jim Brandon wrote about it in the 70s. Like I said, Lauren Coleman wrote about it in the 80s and uh, heard people talk about it lately. It's just one of those things that, that continues to pop up. And um, other similarities in, in circumstances, uh, the, the missing tend to be on uh, one end of the, the intelligence scale or the other. You have Ph.D. candidates and uh, doctors and people like that that go missing. And then you also have people on the autism scale, the, 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 the functioning end of it, but they're more likely to go missing. There's been several uh, children on the, the autism spectrum that have gone missing. And uh, the, the older people, the smarter people, uh, tend to be uh, in good physical shape. Uh, runners, um, hikers, mountaineers, uh, people that, that know their way around in the woods. I, we covered a case earlier this year from uh, Colorado, and I moved from the Pacific Northwest. I'm in New Mexico now, and I actually went up on location in uh, Colorado. It's between Durango and Silverton, a place called Molas Pass. Uh, kid, he was in college age, he was a, a mountain runner, and I, I have mad respect for those people that can run up a mountain or run through the mountains. Uh, I could maybe run down the mountain if something was chasing me, but then I'd just die tired. But, um, I went up there and just it's it's desolate. It's and uh, the, the air is very thin up there. I've I've been a flatlander for a long time. I lived in Portland, Oregon before moving out here, and had lived anywhere from oh six to thirty six feet above sea level. Got here to the high desert in New Mexico. I'm over five thousand three hundred feet here. Took a couple of uh, weeks to to get used to that altitude. And then went up on Mullis Pass. I was up above 10,000 feet. I couldn't breathe. Uh, my vision was like tunnel visioning under the periphery. Uh, everything was hilarious. Everything was funny. And uh, my traveling companion says, we need to get you down into Silverton and, and get you some oxygen. So I went to a little outfitter there. And you get canned oxygen, oxygen and aerosol, canned little face mask. And uh, had, I think, 200 breaths of oxygen. in So, But that was the only way I got through that video. But for somebody that, that can run under those conditions, that can exert themselves, do a marathon in those mountains, they're in good shape. And for them to go missing, and again, I think they found his phone. That was the only trace of my personal opinion. Again, it's just an opinion. I think he's in the Animus River because uh, there, there were a runoff at that time of year from the mountains, the snow melt. And, uh, I think somehow he ended up in the river. Now, whether he fell, was pushed, somebody put him in there, that remains to be seen. But again, people that, that are experienced woodsmen and hikers and outdoors people and hunters and people that know these places, that that's the ones that, that really shock me when they go missing. I can understand somebody out for a day hike that, that maybe hasn't spent that much time in the woods and Again, uh, overestimate their abilities, underprepare, 
uh, don't carry enough food, water. It's, it's There's a million ways to perish out there in the wild. But to do it in such a way as that nothing can be found, that you just literally, people have, have walked, watched somebody walk around a curve in the trail, and then they're gone. They've never seen them again. Or uh, seems to be like people that break off from a group. If you're hiking with a group, stay with your group. If you don't want to go missing, people, oh, I'm going to go back and, and get another pair of shoes, or I left this in the car, or they go back, never seen again. Yeah, I mean, the way it's vanishing, or is it normally happening, Steve, during the day? Is it happening in evening hours, early morning hours? Does time even matter? Uh, the time doesn't seem to, to play into it. Uh, most people do go missing during the daylight hours, but that's when most people are hiking in the woods and the forest. But there have been people that have disappeared on night hikes, uh, early morning, mid-afternoon. And, and I can understand if you're, you're hiking and you lose track of time. I've had that almost happen to me in the Smokies before I'd been up to uh, Klingman's Dome, which is the highest point up there. And I was off trail. I'm not a, a trail hiker. I stay away from the, the touristy areas. I was just kind of blazing my own trail there and had stopped to admire a tree. And uh, that, that was weird. There's something out there sometimes I think that, that sort of lulls you into a false sense of security of where I was. And I went back and tried to find it and I, I never could find it again, but there was this tree out there, David it looked like a Disney tree. And it was, it was late in the afternoon. I'd been up to the observation deck there at Clingman's dome and, watch the, the, the smoky effect roll in off the mountains there that they're known for. And I was coming back through the woods and I see this tree and there's just this shaft of light coming down, shining. It looked like a Disney tree. It was this huge, huge tree. It would have taken several people holding hands to go all the way around it. And I'm just admiring this tree. And it was just like something in my head was saying, you know, that'd be a nice place to just sit down and rest, you know, just sit under that beautiful tree and, relax and commune with nature, maybe, maybe even take a nap. You could take a nap there and be refreshed. And and then all of a sudden it just occurred to me, you know, where is that thought even coming from? It's late. It's It was in the summertime and it was getting late. I didn't want to be out in the woods off trail. I didn't have a headlamp or anything with me. hadn't been prepared to do any after dark hiking. And I, I still, to this day, I think that if I'd sat down there and went to sleep under that tree, I, I would be like Rip Van Winkle. I never would have came back or I'd stumble out of the woods 20 years later with a beard even longer than this. Uh, and, and everybody else has, has aged even more. But there's something out there. And then that same day prior to that, I'd experienced the thing where the the woods go silent. Uh, and you people that have been out in the woods know what I'm talking about. There's times when it's like somebody hits the mute button. You can't hear the leaves. You can't hear the wind in the trees. You don't hear any animals. You don't hear any running water. You don't hear any traffic. If you're close to a road, it just goes, I mean, deadly silent, like being in a vacuum. And that, to me, that's a sign to get out of wherever you are. Something is afoot there. There's something there. And uh, that's people that have gone missing and, and came back have talked about that, like the woods going silent, the woods going still. And again, now animals and apex predators and things, when they're around, the other smaller animals will be quiet because they don't want to get eaten. That's just part of their survival instinct. But for the wind and the leaves and the trees and everything else to be silent, that that's not supposed to happen, yet it does. Do you think that 
you know, and because we're more about the weird topics here, Steve, as you know, I know you're a fan of this show. Do you Do you think that there are creatures running around that are targeting humans? Could there be? I I think there are. We we've had reports like that. We've covered. Uh, people call it the glimmer man or the the predator type being. It's a an outline of a, a humanoid figure, but it glimmers, shimmers like uh, heat waves rising off the pavement. But it moves through the trees. There's a famous video of uh, Bruce McAbee's wife Jan up in a tree stand. I can't remember if it's a photo or a video, photo. but she saw such a creature in another tree over. And at the same time that was happening, she's observing this high school over on the other side of the, the woods where she was, they were having a UFO incident over there. They saw something over the football field. So a lot of things is, and same with Bigfoot in places where there's a lot of Bigfoot or Sasquatch sightings, there will be UFO activity. Are they related? I, I think maybe they are. I think there's some sort of thread there that ties all this stuff together. I but that too. creature, whatever that is, that's, I've, I've heard, People say that have seen this, that people that made the Predator movie, they had firsthand knowledge of this creature, that it's not just a fictitious Hollywood creation, that there are things out there like that. I've had a similar experience, uh, but mine was in uh, downtown Portland at a bus stop between 11 p.m. and midnight. Something was off to the the side of the the street there. behind a, uh, a garbage can and a, a permanent uh, street post or light post. Uh, it, I thought it was heat coming out of the vent, but it was in the summertime. And I thought, well, where's that steam coming from? I walked over to take a look. There's no vent there. And whatever this was, it was short-statured anyway, but it appeared in the rough shape of a human. It just kind of squatted down like it didn't want me to see it, but I'd already seen it. So I start panicking. I'm thinking, you know, what is this thing? I'm going to, it's going to take me. I'm going to go missing. It's either a super soldier with cloaking ability. It's some kind of alien. It's something. And I ended up just kind of moseying along and pretending like I didn't see it and then darted out into traffic and ran across traffic, just hoping that it wouldn't chase me and then uh, continued on up to several blocks to the next train station. But uh, after that, I, I don't live out there in Portland anymore, but after that, I would not take a train late at night from downtown because it, it, there's people that go missing in, in the cities, too. We've covered cases of urban disappearances where maybe somebody's seen going into a bar and then they're not seen coming out and then they're found uh, weeks or, or days or weeks later. Uh, a lot of times in the water, that's a whole separate theory, the smiley face killer theory. I made a two-part documentary about that, its feature length runs about two hours, where these young college-age men disappear, then they're found later in a body of water, and a lot of times, even though they've been missing for maybe several weeks, the bodies have only been in the water for two or three days, according to the autopsy results, and there's not Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Enough water in the lungs that they drowned. So where were they the previous? Where were they the rest of that time? How? Who put them in the water? Uh, Ted Gunderson, ex-FBI agent, uh, he's delved into a lot of the mysterious stuff. Uh, he's investigated what he believes to be a satanic ritual sacrifice in Olympic National Park, and Olympic National Forest. I've been up there investigating. That's a strange, strange place. But he, he buys the, uh, the smiley face killer theory. And a lot of times where these bodies are found, there will be a, a smiley face graffiti uh, left behind. And in, in one case, is, uh, somebody even went and spray painted a smiley face on one of these guys' tombstone. And supposedly that's like uh, some sick ritual cult that does this for whatever reasons. I don't know if they're making snuff films or, or, or what they're doing it for, but it's, you know, got that whole dark web, deep rabbit hole kind of feel to it. But uh, if it is a band of people doing this for whatever reason, they're, they're good at what they do and they don't leave any evidence behind. The smiley face killers. I mean, we could do an entire show. Whole show on that yeah. easy, yeah. And it's amazing. I, I did two hours on it and barely scratched the surface. But there is a book called uh, "Case Studies in uh, Drowning Forensics." It's written by two guys that looked into it. It's, I believe, I want to say, thirteen victims and one survivor, and that—that's kind of what they buy into is that whole theory that it is a a group of people that somehow coordinate and, you know, is it truck drivers? Is it, I, I don't know. Right. But it's, it's, there's some validity to it. I think in our, that's just one explanation. In hour number two, we're going to get to a number of your top stories of 2022. But one of the things that I want to ask is a lot of times it seems that these people vanish and it's like they've walked into a different dimension Many a times we've heard these people come back in stories where they were like, mom or dad, I was yelling for you and you Mm -hmm. couldn't hear me. I saw you walking up the hill. In the meantime, the parent was like, well, I'm yelling for you. I don't see you. I don't hear you. Is there some sort of cross dimensional? uh, Uh, That's part of the explanation too. There's, there's been a lot of cases like that where people could see the rescuers that were looking for them. They're yelling, they're waving their arms. Hey, I'm over here. And it's like they don't see them, they don't hear them. Uh, there are cases where people are hiking on a, a well-marked trail, and then suddenly they're not on the trail anymore. They don't realize where they are. They turn around. There is no trail that they've been on. Where are they? Where did they go? How did they get there? I've got an interview coming up with a, a lady uh, from Indiana that uh, had that experience as a child. Uh, her and her uh, babysitter, caregiver, went for a hike through just a short section of woods. Well, she said they walked and walked and walked. They came across a cabin. There were berry patches there. And there was an old wooden bucket sitting in the middle, of, sitting in the middle of this dirt road that they found in the woods. And it was like something was saying, here, here's a bucket. And she did. She was only like five or six. She wanted to go pick berries. That's another thing. A lot of people go missing uh, either while picking berries or in or near berry fields. 
In fact, uh, when we come back, I'll tell you about a, a story from a little place in Washington where a whole generation of kids were sent to pick berries and never came back. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, I look at it like this, Steve. Uh, I couldn't imagine going out, and I bring my nine-year-old son with me everywhere. You know, we, when we go out looking for Sasquatch, he's right there with me. But we have one rule that when we go out, he has to walk in between two of us. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I just will not allow him to have any of this missing person stuff go in my family, at least. You know, you try and take all precautions that you can. You know, the other thing, too, that you mentioned that I wanted to get to because I've seen some comments in the chat room is about the silence of the forest. Now, I don't know if you have ever been deep in a forest when all of a sudden it goes eerily silent where not even the birds are chirping and you can't even hear the birds a mile away. But there is nothing that makes you feel more small than Mm -hmm. listening to the, the woods go silent. Oh, I've experienced it on many occasions uh, in the Smokies along different portions of the Appalachian Trail. Had it happen in the, the Jefferson National Forest along the Appalachian Trail right outside of Damascus, Virginia. And in that same area at a later time, I was in there night hiking with a, a headlamp that time. And I had I was pelted with rocks. I've been hearing the, the whoops and the yells and the tree knocks and stuff. And then all of a sudden, rocks were coming they weren't lobbed. They weren't following an arc or parabola. They were coming straight out of the woods. I didn't even know they were hitting me. I couldn't feel them hitting me. I heard them hitting the ground. And I looked, and it's these round, flat river rocks. I picked one up, and it's hot or warm, almost hot to the touch. Now, I've heard of cases where things apported that would be warm to the touch. And I thought, you know, that was Sasquatch and uh, Bigfoot, whatever, because there, there's been sightings up there, and I got out of there. But reflecting back on that, I think they were trying to warn me because I'd heard the, the calls and the answers. I'd heard the tree knocks, and then I, I just kept going, and then I started getting pelted with rocks. I think they were warning me back from something, either an unfriendlier version of themselves or a dog man or a big cat or who knows what. They weren't meaning to hurt me or harm me or scare me. They were trying to get me to turn and go the other way. And that's what I did. The rocks stopped, uh, the, the tree knocks and the whoops and yelps and things settled down. I don't know what I was about to walk into, but first I thought they were attacking me, but I think they were just warning me off and it, it pays to, to, to pay attention to stuff like that. And the other woods going silent. That's, that's a hint and a half for you right there to, to turn around and go back the way you came or go a different direction or do something because that's that's not natural. That shouldn't happen, but it does. I've experienced it lots of times. Yeah, I, I remember one time we were going out to one of my Sasquatch gifting sites, and we had about five people there. Now, I'd been to this place 50, 60 times, and it was only about 250 feet off the road. I couldn't find our way back. Mm-hmm. 250 feet. And... I immediately I started to panic because everywhere I looked looked the same and looked different than what it had previously. And I had no idea where my truck was. I had no idea how to get out. And I started to panic. And I realized that was the worst thing that I could do. And it wasn't until about two, three minutes later, I heard another vehicle coming up the logging road that I was able to finally relax and say, okay, 
this is the direction where my vehicle is, this is the direction of the road. But I mean, it's a I I think the forest has this magic that it can play where I do. It can I believe it can mess too. you up. Especially when you're in what I consider the deep woods. I mean, I've been in some places where uh, it's been a long time if, if another human being has set foot there. I mean, it's been centuries ago. There are places like that you can get to, and and a lot of people will kind of poo-poo that. And I just say you you haven't been deep enough in the woods. And it, it has its own majesty and stuff, but there's there's a strangeness to it as well when you, you get that far back into nature. And uh, the woods, they, they literally take on a life of their own. I think things can change, uh, whether they're actually changing or the, your perception of it changes. And, you know, people talk about uh, certain uh, creatures, beasts, uh, cryptids vibrate at different frequencies and stuff. How do we know that the forest isn't capable of that, too, that it, it can't raise or lower its vibration and appear differently because the spectrum of light that we can see is about this much on a scale that's this much. So, you know, who knows what, I, I think there's a lot things that are natural that we just don't understand that we don't have the ability to yet. I, the science to me, that's far from a, a perfect uh, thing. There's, there's a yeah. lot that, well, they can't be explained. Well, it's funny because uh, we got about t- under two minutes to go here. It's funny because I always used to look at my buddy Mike or my buddy Mark, and they would bring every time we go out in the forest looking for Sasquatch, they'd bring these big heavy backpacks in with them, you know. And I'd be like, "Well, what's in there?" Because here I am, you know, I've got a hoodie on, I've got mm-hmm. you know a lighter, a pack of cigarettes, my wallet, my keys, okay, and they're like. This is the forest, man. Anything can happen. And after that situation that I had in the forest, where, like I said, very familiar with the trees, very familiar with the the surroundings, and I got lost. It was only five minutes, but I got lost. I I now understand why, you know, people say, don't go in, don't go into the forest unless you're prepared. And that's what I'm now trying to do, knowing that I like coming 2023, I'm going to be taking our, our Sasquatch investigations around here a little bit more seriously. I want to make sure that when I go into the forest, that I am prepared as anything with water, right. with snacks, with with rope, with band-aids, with, with everything that you possibly can, just in case. Yeah, and uh, that that's a good plan. And I, I know people that I'd rather be overprepared and not need it and just pack it back out than to get out there and then have something happen. And uh, if I were going to go on a day hike, I'd probably take enough uh, food and water for two days if I could carry it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've got a, a Garmin GPS. Uh, I've got a personal locator beacon. Those are almost essential now if you're going to be out there. Uh, get an old-fashioned compass, learn how to use it. Get an orienteering compass, take a topo map of the area you're in. Learn to chart by the stars. If you get caught out after dark, there's all kinds of ways to find your way back, but only if you know how to do it and have the, the items to do it with you. Absolutely. And always let somebody know where you're going, just yeah. in case. And if you got nobody in your area, a simple call to the police to let them know where you'll be works just as effectively. Spaced Out Radio with Steve Stockton tonight is our guest from Missing Persons Mysteries. When we come back, 
some of his top stories of missing people in 2022. You know, Steve, I remember this one time we were at that exact gifting site where I got freaked out and my buddy Mark and I are there and we could just feel we were being watched. And, you Mm -hmm. know, the one thing I will always say to people in the force, and I've learned this, is your eyes will always take you into the direction you need to go or the direction you need to look. And if you if you keep going back, like say you're scanning your surroundings but your eyes keep looking down a path on the left, don't leave that path because something is there that is telling your senses there's something there. And we swore that day we were, we had visitors around us, man. And, and and, and sometimes it's not, I mean, I've I've felt that way where there were big cats and bears and things around that way. They'll give you that feeling. But then I've been places, Mount Shasta in California, that mountain will watch you. Oh yeah. I'd, I'd spent the night down in the town of McLeod at a little cabin. And I was out about two o'clock in the morning and uh, just, and I'd already seen lights up on the mountain, strange lights reminded me of the, the Brown mountain lights, but bigger. And uh, I just got this intense feeling of somebody staring at me and I whipped around and it's the mountain, the mountains there looking yeah. at me. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to step away for a quick second. Dirty filth. We're going to turn this cartoon over to you, my man. You and Steve can hang out here for a minute. I'm going to take a couple of minutes. See what we got. Five again. Yeah, I'd say five minutes.
Apparently it was on mute. Crap. Well, I'm not saying it all over again. Anyways, just wanted to say, if you go to filthy.com, find my book, my calendar, prints my cartoons, and if you come to Vegas, I will give you artwork. That's the that's the Reader's Digest version of what I had said, but bloody hells. Anyways, I hope everyone's having a good night. Alright, my man. Looking good, Dirty. Looking good. Midnight I gotta for- keep remembering about doing? that mute button. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Super Duke. Super Duke. What else? We got Travis Wustus. How you doing, buddy? The Moostus. How you doing? It's my good friend there. And uh, big thank you tonight to Deb, T2E, Surf Jer, Jeremy, and Aussie Sue for the super chats. Mr. Lurks a lot. How you doing? And uh, the Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis, so thank you. And uh, here we go with our number two. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Tractor. Tractor is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight from the ever-popular YouTube channel Missing Persons Mysteries. We have Steve Stockton, the voice behind the stories that are brought out by his team. And, wow, Steve, you, you really got a great thing going there, my man. Yeah, I just posted a thing on Facebook, a memory from two years ago. We were celebrating 60,000 subscribers, and uh, next month we're going to hit a quarter million. So in, in two years, it's grown that much. People people enjoy the topic. It's a sad and, and tragic thing in the most cases, uh, especially the people that are found. But again, that's closure for a family. But, you know, the mysterious side of it, too, the mystery side of that name, that it appeals to people. It's one of those mind-boggling things that you, you know, if you're like me and you're an insomniac, that's the kind of stuff that rolls around in your head at night when you can't sleep. You know, where, where'd they go? What what took them? What's out there? Who Who's aware of it? Is What's behind it? 2022, what kind of year was that for people going missing? 
Uh, no real major cases that stand out to me. Now, there was uh, several that were solved this year that turned out to be homicides, and, and that's not surprising. But I think the biggest story and my favorite one of 2022 is uh, all the bodies that they've uh, pulled out of Lake Mead uh, just outside Vegas there. Now, I've been to Lake Mead, but I, I didn't get in the water. I don't like to swim in a lake because you just don't know what's in there. And this is a good example. Uh, in May, they pulled five bodies out of there, uh, one of them in a barrel that they thought was a mob hit from the 70s. And, you know, it's, it's close proximity to Vegas. It's a body of water. There's no telling what's in there. And uh, there was, a, I think, an archaeologist or an anthropologist from Colorado that says there's probably hundreds of bodies in there, some of them dating back to prehistoric times because the water is so cold and so deep in certain areas that uh, the bodies, they don't gas up, they don't float, there's no uh, insect predation to, to break them apart. And uh, there's the, uh, there's a, a phrase, I think, adipocere or adipocere, something like anyway, they between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Blue dash Business dash Plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The bodies, uh, the fatty tissues in the human body will turn into a soapy-like substance. And even the uh, the fat in the bones and stuff. And they're just, they're there waiting to be found. And again, I mean, you think about that. People play in that water, uh, swim, boating, popular out there, the jet skis and everything. Uh, it's a water source for people. And uh, boy, your water, that's all I got to say. Uh is you, you don't know what you're drinking. Think back to the Cecil Hotel and the Elisa Lamb case where they found her in the water tank and uh, the people that had been staying there. It's kind of an extended stay place from what I understand. Talked about the, the, the water smell funny and tasted funny well, it's because there was a decomposing human body in it. So yeah, that doesn't, doesn't sound very appetizing or appealing to me. No. No, and you know what? Bottled water still looks pretty darn good. Bottled- oh, pure, pure dry water at home. And again, like uh, my daughter's uh, other grandparents, they live in uh, southeastern Kentucky. Uh, somebody drowned in the reservoir out there years and years ago. They're, they're both deceased now, but uh, they boiled their water uh, from then on because, you know, you just... And and when I lived in Portland, they arrested a kid for peeing in the reservoir. So you you never know what you're drinking. So get a home purification system, boil your water, do something. Very but, true. Uh, Very true. Were there any cases that really uh, stood out to you regarding the national parks this year? Uh, that's one of those things that they're they're all strange. Um, 
it's it's it would really be hard to pick just one or just any, the the national parks in particular those missing cases again it's it's almost like something's taking people out there uh what or who or and again there's there's misadventure there's people that do go out there with no intention of coming back but even then a lot of times it'll be just in such a short amount of time where they they observe them you know maybe parking their car at the trailhead at the parking area people saw them on the trail yet how could you get yourself into a place if you were going to end it all to such a place that you could never be found that just that doesn't seem possible I, I don't know. There, there just there are no easy answers in cases like that. And uh, California has the most missing people as a state. Now, this is overall, uh, not just in the national parks, but the the parks there too have more people that go missing. Um, and uh, the Great Smoky Mountains has more visitors. It gets around twelve million a year, twelve to fifteen, I think. And Yosemite only gets a fraction of that, but yet more people go missing in Yosemite. And there, there's other places like that. We talked about Mount Shasta, a lot of strange activity up there. I'm interviewing a girl this week that uh, lived in the Bay Area, uh, across the Bay there from San Francisco in Berkeley, and just felt the call. I'd never been to Mount Shasta, didn't know anything about it, but felt pulled there. And uh, went and lived on the mountain in a tent for five months. And boy, she's got some stories to tell. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But I can understand that. The first time I ever saw Shasta uh, was when I was coming down to San Francisco to be with you at that UFO convention back in, I think that was March. And well, that wasn't the first time I saw it. I'd passed by it, but um, I actually stopped and stayed a couple of days, planned that into my itinerary. But when you come down the interstate, there's this one curve there on the I-5 and you first see Shasta, it does, it, it pulls to you. It's just so majestic and so spiritual and so surreal looking. And again, there's everything there. There's Bigfoot encounters, there's missing people, there's talk of uh, cities inside the mountain, there's talk of Lemurians, there's talk of ascended masters. There's places like that where there's just something there. And, and people are drawn to it, and, and whatever it is, it, it takes people. That's the famous robot grandma story. That that happened on Mount Shasta. Um, the uh, One of my favorite Bigfoot stories I've ever heard, a lady was hiking on Shasta and saw what she described as a female Bigfoot giving birth to a baby Bigfoot. And then another lady, no relation, didn't know one another, in the same area about a year later, she observed a female Bigfoot uh, nursing a baby Bigfoot. So there you go. Same area, same circumstances, seen about a year apart. You know, that's that's just crazy. But I mean, it's 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 wonderful and beautiful at the same time. But the national parks are a hotbed. And and uh, if, you, if you look, there's uh, maps of uh, like where these clusters, where the most missing people are in, in national parks. And then there's also a map of the, the U.S. cave systems. And if you overlay, overlay those, they match up. So is there something underground that takes people? What does it have to do with these caves and the cave systems? Are there military bases in there? Are there government installations? You know, That's supposedly a thing. Uh, in the Grand Canyon, a lot of people go missing there. Uh, there's supposedly a, a cave there where they found mummies and Egyptian artifacts and immediately closed off the area and won't let anybody near it. 
So I, I think there's a lot of things that are kept from us for whatever reason, but I don't think it's anything good. How much of this involves UFOs, potential alien abduction? Well, that that crops up a lot too. Uh, people will talk about uh, with why they regard it as having been on a craft, or uh, same with the portal, seeing a portal and they stepped through it and then were somewhere else. But I mean, that's a possibility. One of the, the most interesting cases, or several cases actually, are people that are found in boulder fields, and uh, a boulder field is just that. It's an open area full of boulders. And uh, they will find people that have been missing in those boulder fields and uh, they've deceased usually. And, and they've already been searched numerous times, but they will find them and they look like they've been dropped from a great height when there's no height to, to fall or be dropped from. So is that a UFO? Did they take somebody up? Did they beam them up and do whatever and then just kind of kick them out the door and let them drop onto the rocks below? But then there's there's other legends that, that play into that. The Algonquin uh, tribe in the New England area, they have uh, stories of a creature that can disguise itself as a boulder. And when some unsuspecting person comes by, it opens up, swallows the person, does whatever it does, gets whatever it needs out of them, and then spits them back out. Well, if you've been inside a rock creature, I imagine that it was squeezing the life force out of you or whatever when it spits you out. There you would be. The cases in the the Bridgewater Brennington Triangle, one or the other, I can't remember which, where a hunter had been missing. When they found him, he looked like he'd been crushed to death, but he was just in the woods. So was was that a Bigfoot? Lots of Bigfoot stories up there, too. But I I think, again, I think it all ties together. Bigfoot, aliens, there's a, a common thread that runs through there. And one of the most interesting theories, and people will laugh about this, but it's the faith theory. If, if you study the, the Celtic uh, version of the face, where it was a religion almost, or probably still is, in uh, Ireland, some of those Celtic countries, and there's a hierarchy to those people. I've read cases from the mid-1800s of uh, people encountered little men that came down out of the sky in a horseless carriage. That's a, a ancient UFO or an old UFO sighting. Or there's different types of the face. It's not these little... Tinkerbell, gossamer-winged creatures that flit around. Some of them are like elementals. Some of them are huge. Some of them are scary, and they don't like people. And so it, it all kind of fits under that umbrella. But people that believe wholeheartedly in Bigfoot and UFOs will, will giggle if you mention the Fae. But I think that needs to be delved into more because there's a lot of answers there that kind of takes all these other theories, uh, the uh, cryptid theories anyway, and uh, puts it in a, a nice package with a little bow on top. So are, are the Fae involved? And again, if you go back to the, the Native American legends, even in the Smokies, there's the one day to Sunday, the Cherokee call them a race of little people that they warred with at one time, but they make friends with now, but they're tricksters and pranksters. They steal children. They do all this other stuff. They're, they're, I think pixies are the only ones that are nice. There's, there's a whole hierarchy of them. There's hundreds of different types of the Fae. And some of them are big and hairy. Some of them are small and and, and Tinkerbell type. But all that's been disney You know, we've been programmed to believe, oh, well, that's not a fairy. Uh, fairies aren't real. There is no Fae folk. But there, there's stories of gnomes and trolls and goblins and things that all kind of fit within that framework that, that people have seen. So 
I want to ask you, because I don't think this topic is talked enough about, is the idea that there are wild people out there. And that's when you hear, I've heard that in relation to the Dennis Martin story. There's a guy on here on YouTube has a channel called South force 10. And uh, he's, he's an older gentleman, but he is so adamant in what he believes. And he claims that uh, his relatives were hired by the the U S government to go into the Smokies and thin these feral cannibals out uh, before it ever became a national park. And he claims that that's why the boundaries of the national park is where it is not so much to, to fence off a place where people can go and enjoy, but to keep these wild beings contained. And I've heard that argument, you know, well, there's, you couldn't have feral people living in those woods. Well, my answer to that is you just haven't been back in the woods far enough, whether they're, they're cannibal hillbillies or, or whatever, you can go far enough back in there. If you didn't want to be found, you wouldn't be found Uh case in point, uh, Eric Rudolph, the abortion clinic bomber, he hid out in the Nantahala National Forest for like uh, five years. And uh, FBI's mo- top of the most wanted list. The only way they found him, he uh, got a little too bold and was coming into a little town in North Carolina and uh, getting day-old uh, snack cakes out of the dumpster at this convenience store, and a rookie cop recognized him. But And this was somebody with no real outdoor experience, uh, wasn't a woodsman or a camper or anything. He just decided that'd be a, a good place to hide out and not be found. And it was. So if somebody like that with no training and experience can do it, imagine somebody that's lived in those woods for generations that, that just that's, they like to keep to themselves for whatever reason, whether they're inbred feral cannibals, hillbillies, or, or what have you. There are people that like that lifestyle, and, and maybe that's what it is. Uh, Dwight McCarter, he's a retired uh, ranger, was uh, in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park Service. Uh, he was the lead tracker on the Dennis Martin case. He says that there are wild people that, that live in the Smokies. Now, he didn't elaborate on that and say that they were, you know, some sort of Bigfoot human hybrid or whatever. But, you know, if a park ranger is telling you, yeah, there are wild men, uh, off-grid, backcountry people that don't want to be seen and that don't want to be found that live there, I tend to believe what he says. Hmm. Yeah, the, it bothers Brian, Dave. I'm telling you, these these feral people, though, Steve. I mean, these are. I mean, a lot of it happened from what I have studied. A lot of it happened with people who were either draft dodging Vietnam back in the day, or people who came back from certain wars and just couldn't handle regular life anymore. I mean, yeah. I mean, never mind, never mind the lineage of, say, centuries of this going back to the Civil Wars. But there are people out there, and I know there's people in the forest right out here uh, behind my area that live out in the forest because they just can't stand society. They don't like yeah. politics. They don't like the news. They they only come to town if they need, you know, food or, or whatever it may be, or, you know, and... Otherwise, they they are living in solitude in the forest. Oh yeah, there, there's people that prefer that that life, uh, nomadic. Uh, basically, they're not homeless. They're just they they live in the woods. They they built a shelter. They have a tent, and uh, we covered a case. I think that was last year though of a lady that had been missing uh, 
and uh, they they found her in a in a tent in the woods, and she just uh, it was uh, I think that was in 2020 when the the pandemic and everything was going on, and she just wanted to move herself remove herself from society. And there's no law against going missing; you can disappear. Although I feel you should at least leave a note because they expend a lot of resources on those search and rescue efforts. But yeah, she just chose to drop out and that's what she did. She went and lived in a national park and uh, she uh, went through her own food stocks and then would uh, beg from other campers or uh, go through the garbage cans and things like that. And just, she, she liked that. And then when they, they found her, I, she didn't want to leave. She didn't want to be found. So you, you have that too. There are people, like I said, that, that disappear on purpose, that want to disappear. Uh, you have people that do that and start over, go to a different city. Uh, Las Vegas is a prime example of that. That's a very transient population out there. When I was out there, I, I met people that had been, you know, in another state, in another city, and just wanted to drop out, uh, leave their previous life behind, reinvent themselves, come up with a new backstory. I can take you to a flea market in North Las Vegas where you can get any kind of credential you need, birth certificate, passport, whatever it's going to cost you, but it's available. You can, it's it's harder in this day and age than it used to be, but you can become somebody else. Now, usually that's somebody that's been involved in some criminal activity or somebody that, you know, heaven forbid has murdered their family or is running from the law, but it is possible to disappear in that regards too. There's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, missing persons, that's a very broad brush that you're painting with there. When you get down into the minute of it, there's there's all kinds of levels and types of disappearances. People that are hiding, people that want to go missing, and then people that are truly, I feel, that have been taken by something that uh, I mentioned earlier. I was going to tell you about a uh, little town in Washington. I was out with a friend of mine. We'd been Bigfoot hunting up in the Gifford Pinchot National Forest, and it was in spring of the year, but we got up to the snow line and I, I, we found what I believe to be a Bigfoot print in the snow. It looked like he just like stepped into the snow and said, nope, that's too cold. I'm going to stay below the snow line. Just one footprint there. We'd left there and we're driving on up into Washington state. And we, when we entered into this little community, I, I said to, her, I said, this place just feels off. There's, there's something here. I'm getting this weird deja vu or there's something about this place. I didn't have any phone reception. The carrier I was with at the time, I could not get a signal. And we drove through this little town and I'm just like, everything felt strange. Well, the name of the place was Yakult, Y-A-C-O-L-T. And uh, when I got back out of there, did some research, sure enough, there's been all kinds of strange happenings there. And the Yakult, the very name itself, and I can't remember the tribe, but it means Valley of the Fire Demon in the, the whatever the indigenous people's language is there. And uh, coincidentally enough, and I don't believe in coincidence, one of the biggest uh, just spontaneous forest fires in Washington state history at that time, the occult burn happened there. Thousands of acres burned up, you know, uh, a forest fire in Valley of the Fire Demon, who would have figured? But that was one where the, the tribe, uh, had sent their children out to pick berries and uh, the whole, uh, every child that went, none of them returned. So again, berries, berry picking, disappearance. 
they, they never found any trace of them. And to that day, it's there's a, a ghost light that they see there. A lot of those buildings are haunted. I talked to a lady that, that had grown up there, and she talked about there was a field on the way home that she would cut through as a shortcut to get home from school. And she claimed that little tiny, what she described as Native American braves, would chase her with bows and arrows. And she said they weren't even three feet tall. And uh, there's a, across from the old train depot there, there's a, a restaurant called, used to be called the Whistle Stop. I think that lady retired due to illness or passed away or something. That place was strange. Uh, she lived up above it. And uh, I was I was in there. We were the only ones there besides the owner and the cook. And uh, I, did, I went to wash my hands. And uh, I, I don't know why I did this. It was totally unlike me. But when I got ready to leave the restroom, I flicked the light off and then I started to open the door. Well, the door wouldn't open and there, there was no lock on it. And I'm like pulling, like, okay, somebody's holding the door on me. And I heard kids laughing. Well, I turned the light back on. By then, when I pulled the door, it opened. I went out and uh, when the, the lady brought our food to the table, I said, is that your kids playing a joke on me? And she said, no, those are the ghost children. She said, I don't have any kids. She said, but I hear those kids running up and down the back stairs after dark. But I heard children laughing, at least two kids, it sounded like a boy and a girl, giggling. So was that some of those native children that, that disappeared, never came back? Never know. But the, but the whole town is like that. And I just said, the minute I went in there, this, this feels off. Steve Stockton from Missing Persons Mysteries. When we come back, we'll get to some of your questions and more stories from Steve on the people who just mysteriously vanish into thin air. Space Down Radio with me, Dave Scott, and our guest, Steve Stockton, continues right after this. Stay tuned. All right, man, we're clear. All right. We're peaking at 294 right now. Good deal. <laughs> Good crowd. Mm-hmm. See a lot of my folks in here from Missing Persons Mysteries, my other channel, 13 Past Midnight. And a friend of yours, Thin Lizzie Borden, she's going to be doing she's tarot amazing. reading. Or, uh, tarot and Oracle cards over there Friday night. Yep. Uh, we, we did it before. It, had, it was very successful. She's coming back this Friday at uh, 7 Mountain, 6 Pacific to do uh, Oracle and Tarot card readings. Really looking forward to that. But she is an amazing lady. Her and Gary both. Gary's like my little brother. Gary has an incredible beard. He does. And Thin Lizzie, she's amazing. She's amazing. I hope both her and uh, Gary make it to Vegas this year. I'm, I'm working on it. I've talked to my girlfriend. She's never been to Vegas. If she can... Uh, if we can get all our vectors lined up, I, th- I think I'm going to plan on coming just uh, even if I have to come without her. But uh, I, my daughter just moved to Vegas uh, around the, the, the end of November, the beginning of Christmas. I lived there for about 10 years. I've still got some good friends and stuff there. And I told you on the phone the other day, it's a nice place to visit, but I, I wouldn't want to live there again. It'll chew you up and spit you out, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh so you're gonna be at the Golden Nugget down on Fremont Street. That's the the fun part of downtown up there, the Fremont Street experience oh, in those yeah. older places. That was the original Vegas. 
Uh, the strip didn't happen until the 40s when Bugsy Siegel opened the Flamingo. But, oh, yeah. uh, that's not far from the Mob Museum. And there's some good tours out there. Of course, you got Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum. And Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Blue Dash Business Dash Plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. That's new since I moved from there. I've got to go check that out. Yeah, I haven't been there yet. Uh, we're we're going to be doing. We got a great uh, weekend planned for our fans, May nineteenth through twenty first for a second annual fan party. Uh, we're going to be uh, starting it off um, on the Friday night. So everybody who gets the VIP package from us, uh, we have two packages. 60 bucks for one if you want to attend and 100 if you want the VIP which comes with a swag bag and everything. And uh and so we're going to have a VIP get together on the Friday night and then on Saturday there's going to be uh uh we got our entire crew coming. So there's going to be like 6 or 7 hours worth of YouTube uh, live broadcast because we're gonna have oh, we're great. gonna have a bunch of special guests like yourself and and a bunch of UFO people and a bunch of cryptid people and we're trying to build up on the paranormal side a little bit there and so we're gonna get have that uh, get together and then afterwards there if for people who want they can head out to a sky watch outside of town and um, so that'll be good. Extraterrestrial highway out there. Yeah, they've changed that around. When I lived out there, I I have got I've been as close as you can get to Area Fifty One, and uh, that, back then Freedom Ridge was a place to go. But they've annexed that now, and made it a part of the complex, yeah. and you can't get up there anymore. Freedom Ridge isn't free. How ironic is that? Yeah, no kidding. You got to closest you can get now is Tickaboo Peak. Mm-hmm. And so the, that Saturday is going to be very busy, and then Sunday a bunch of us are going to get together and play some poker, and other people will be able to do whatever they want. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of people will be heading home on the Sunday due to having to work on Monday. But uh, it'll be a great weekend of hanging out, getting autographs and pictures, and all sorts of stuff. Sounds fun. <laughs> Sometime have me on. I'll tell Vegas stories. I had a big time out there. Met a lot of celebrities, uh, a lot of strange, strange people out there. It's a cool place. It's a whole different vibe. Might as well be another planet out there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Jeremy, I am going to try and get George Knapp. Uh, he unfortunately couldn't make it last year due to work on coast to coast, but we're uh, uh, trying to uh, get him back. 
Uh, Have you talked to uh, Shannon Legro from uh, Into the Fray and uh, Beyond the Fray Publishing? No. She's in Las Vegas. Yeah. So she's a, she's a local. Get a hold of her and, and see. I bet, bet she'd be down. Well, well yeah. I mean, every the, the beautiful part about it is everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. You know, we, we're not saying no to anybody. Except maybe uh, Justin Trudeau. But that's a different one. <laughs> that, that's a different one right there. But uh, we got twenty. We got we got twenty seconds. I want to say thank you to Deb T2E, Surf Jer, Jeremy, and Ozzy Sue for the super chats. It's a great way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you very very much. And uh, yeah, here we go with the next half hour. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, Steve Stockton from Missing Persons Mysteries on YouTube is here. And Steve, we say thank you so much for joining us tonight. And, you know, let's look, before we get to some audience questions, 2022, what is your favorite story of strangeness this year? Just, just in general, or having to do with missing people. General, yeah. Let's go in general. Oh man, there's just so many, and and I, I, you know, I'm I'm into the weird side of things too. That's why my other channel, Thirteen Past Midnight, is we we covered the paranormal over there. Uh, I can't think of any one in particular right off the top of my head that I like more than any. I, I love it all, man. To, to quote Patton, he's talking about war, but God help me, I do love it so. And um, trying to trying to think here that the uh, put me on the hot seat on that one. I hadn't, hadn't planned on that question, but I, there was a I don't know if it was a new thing or not, but uh, covered some uh, a case out here, Chaco Canyon or not Chaco Canyon, Choke Cherry Canyon, which is just a few miles from here where I live. Uh, there was a. Uh, a famous or infamous murder there back in the seventies. Uh, one time it's kind of a rite of passage here for the high school kids to go out and roll one of the native Americans. I'm right in the edge of the Navajo nation reservation, the DNA people that prefer to be called. And uh, these kids took it a little far with this guy and ended up uh, taking his life and uh, being Caucasians. They just kind of got a slap on the wrist and one of the, the Navajo medicine men, the Dine shaman, said, oh, no, that's not going to happen. And he put a curse on uh, these three boys, and every one of them, within a short amount of time, died a mysterious paranormal-type death. And that's you have that out here. That's I'm really looking forward to, to digging into this area 
when uh, the weather warms up because I'm close to a lot of UFO activity. Uh, Dulce Base isn't too far. Roswell site, the Aztec crash site is is nearby. And then here in Farmington, where I live, uh, one of the, the most biggest or most infamous big UFO sightings that I'd never heard of, uh, then Lizzie's uh, husband Gary turned me on to it, uh, right here in Farmington back in, I think it was 1950, there was, I believe it was 100 silver craft and, and one red one that oh flew up and down the Animus River for two days. The Animus River is just right down the hill here. I've been down there. And uh, it's one of those that was part of Project Blue Book and just kind of got lost in the shuffle and only recently came to light because of uh, FOIAs and stuff. But I'm right here. I, I can't wait to look into that. But there's shapeshifters out here. There's skinwalkers. I'm close to the Four Corners area. I uh, plan on going to the Superstition Mountains in Arizona. If uh, there's, I mean, there's regular ghost towns out here. And I believe even those ghost towns, they call them that because there's no people there. But I think there's ghosts in the ghost towns and uh, all kinds of stuff out here in the desert. It's like, because uh, I've lived in the Mojave before, but this is a different type of desert out here. It's, uh, they, they filmed westerns and things out here and in Utah and things. And it's just, it's, it's, I'm loving it. It's a whole different vibe than the Pacific Northwest. And I pretty much creepy crawled every area out there that you go. I've been to Mount Rainier several times, been to uh, Yakima and they had a meet and greet up there at a haunted uh, train depot that was now a coffee shop. Stayed in a 114 year old church that was haunted that had been turned into Airbnb. And I just, I have a big time. I love it all, man. Just let me ask you then, what, what's your favorite paranormal case that you've heard this year? Oh, goodness. You know, I, <laughs> I you like me, you hear so many, it, it's hard to pick. It is. It's a terrible question to ask a host who deals with this subject on a nightly basis. You know, I, I would say favorite paranormal story or supernatural type story this year would probably be the child in Montana that went missing for a couple of days. The boy had really weirded out bug eyes when they found him and they oh, found yeah, him the in a Weber, cabin. They found him in a cabin. They, yeah. yeah. I'd forgotten about that one, that that was even this year, but yeah, they found him in, it was like a, a, a shed outside a cabin. He was either in uh, or on a, a grass catcher for a lawnmower. And he was talking and chattering to either to himself or to something that they couldn't see. But the look on that kid's face yeah, when they brought him out of there, we covered that case and had the before and after picture. And people were saying, you know, that's, I had an uncle that came back from Vietnam that looked like that. Yeah. He did. He looked shell-shocked. He totally looked shell-shocked. That's the and, perfect and We term. had some not nice comments. Other people were saying, that's not the kid that went missing. Whatever that is, take it and put it back in the woods. That's a changeling. That's something else. But, and the thing that got me, if you look at that picture where they're taking him out of the woods and they've got him on the stretcher and he's bug eyed, even his hair looks different. His entire countenance changed, but he's wearing those little uh, onesies, little footy pajamas yeah. thing. His feet aren't even dirty or, or, or that dirty or torn up or anything. And this was a kid that supposedly walked for miles across like a couple of mountain ranges and, you know, all, all this uh, rough terrain and in, in, in mud and, and yeah. the, the great outdoors and everything. 
I something took that kid and dropped him off. Whether it yeah. was a, a human that abducted him and then decided, you know, I'm going to get caught or this isn't worth the trouble, or whether it was a Sasquatch or, but that that kid has seen some stuff, and that's that's a, that's a nice way of saying it. And, and once again, that's in an area that is highly populated with mountain lions, highly populated with bears. Okay, that would be coming out of hibernation. A little bit earlier because it happened just before springtime as you know winter turns to spring and you know like like duke says from world bigfoot radio in the chat room you know he had that thousand foot stare and he did yeah, and i'm gonna see you know find it here real quick. yeah i mean it was that that was just strange and to me it reminded me of the case that we talked about earlier down in north carolina with that young lad who was taken by or kept comfort by a a giant teddy bear. I mean, we're talking, these kids were relatively the same age, same size. And on this boy that was found in Montana, I mean, there was no scratches there. There was no, um, markings on them. I mean, the child considering the weather conditions should have been weather beaten. He should have been cold. He should have been close to hypothermia, but he wasn't. You know, this is a child that can't make a fire, you know, maybe smart enough to, you know, when he was in that cabin or that electrical booth to find something to put over him if he was cold. But that's about it, Steve. Yeah, I I found this here. Let me see if I can get it open to where I can. Riker Webb was little boy's name. He was a, a survived Montana wilderness inside shed. Uh, two miles from home, survived two days alone in the Montana wilderness, three years old. Now, his, his feet are dirty, but they're not, they didn't look like he's, I don't know if you can, you can't really see it on my camera bear, but just search for Riker Webb and look at the picture of him. And there, there's, when we did it, our thumbnail had the before and after picture of the kid. Here it is. If you can see Yeah, it, it was, it, it was, uh, it's very tough, but I mean, it's terrifying. Uh, you can't see it here, but yeah. he he looks terrified. It does not look like the same kid, and he's just he's he's bug eyed and his. <laughs> I mean, the poor kid. I, again, it's not kind. You can kind of see it there, but he's he's terrified. He's he's going to have PTSD. I would love to hear what kind of stories he'll tell when he's older, if he remembers. I, I agree. Steve, we have just under 14 minutes. We've got eight questions from our audience. I want to try and burn through these uh, and get them all in there for our audience. Let's start off with Midwest Night Watchers. Steve, do people who have gone missing and then come back seem to act different? They do. It changes. A lot of people won't even talk about it, or if if they do, it's years later. But it's something that's so stressful to them or, or inherently changes them. That, it, that they don't want to talk about it. I mean, they, they saw some things. They experienced some things. It's it's a type of PTSD. And then there's been stories of people that they came back that it just it changed them fundamentally, either some spiritual way or uh, made them more withdrawn. Um, and you know that's that happens in a lot of uh, UFO abductions and things like that. It's you're you're not the same coming out as you were going in. That's for sure. And I, I've 
there was only one kid, and I can't remember what his name was. A college age fellow went missing, and and even him, he was he seemed happy go lucky or something, but he was kind of out there anyway. But he had gone missing, been out in the woods, heard uh, voices of people that he recognized, called him people that were still back wherever his home was, and uh, he fell in the river and uh, found some berries and ate them and just went through this big ordeal. But he talked about how he'd written poetry and love letters to his girlfriend so because he thought he just was going to perish out there. But there's people like that that when they come out, they're not so withdrawn. They want to talk about it. They want to spread the news and share, but it's still, it's a fundamental change. He's even more gregarious and uh, outgoing than he was when he went in. And it just, I I think it's that way with anything in the paranormal. I've I've talked to people that have had uh, shadow man experiences or hauntings that, that change the way they think and the way they see things and the way you think about the afterlife and, and what's out there that's greater than us. Very so true. yeah, that's what those people do. If they are found, they do act different. Pair of questions from YJ here. Is it possible the silencing of the forest actually happens because there's a time anomaly, but to any other observer, it wouldn't be silent. Yeah, YJ, I fully believe that that, that could be true, that there's some sort of uh, glitch or a, a shift in, in time or dimension or something there. And I've even heard people, other people that have experienced this, describe it as being like in a bubble. Like maybe if they walked out of where this time bubble or whatever it was, there was sound. But if they turned around and went back into whatever this was, even though you couldn't see it, it was still, you could feel it. It was palpable. But once you're inside whatever that is, it's there. So, yeah, what is that? I mean, is that a time anomaly? Is it a portal? Is it something natural that we don't understand? I I think it's supernatural. I don't think there's anything in nature that does that. But, yeah, the time anomaly makes sense. There's cases like that where people uh, have, have gone missing and seen things that were maybe there years before or even seen things that apparently will be there in the future. You know, I hear you. All right, let's get to his second question. His second question. Steve, is there any correlation with the forest going silent? Oh, we just had that. I, I apologize. Uh, let's go to the Doug Shelby. Hey, Steve, Tennessee boy myself. Land between the lakes is, whoa, do you agree? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's dogman territory. I was supposed to be at that dogman conference back in August, but I didn't make it out there. And I actually, I wasn't going to stay at the venue, which was in Paris, Tennessee. I uh, rented a fishing cabin up on the, the land between the lakes. And there's just something about that area. There's something in those woods. Uh, I don't know if you know of Barton Nunley or if you've ever had him on, he wrote a book called Inhumanoids. And this guy's hardcore. He goes out in that area. He hunts Bigfoot with a sword and a spear. I mean, he's not playing around, but he believes there's something there. And it's, it's another one of those places where it just it doesn't feel right. And I'm not saying it's a bad feeling. It can be, but it, it feels different. It feels strange. It'll If you've got any kind of uh, intuitiveness or whatever you want to call it, you, you feel there's a, a lot of places like that. Like, like when I went into Yakult for the first time, I felt that place. Oh yeah. There's a lot at Crater Lake uh, midnight watchers. There was a, a little boy that went missing there. Him and his dad were, were hiking. He was playing kind of on a cinder bank there. 
and was kind of playing hide and seek or tag. And he ran away from his dad, went up over the bank, and they never found him again. Crater Lake's another one of those places. It's just mysterious. There's a, I think they call it the old man of the lake. There's a tree floating out in the water there. There's kind of standing straight up. That's been there for hundreds of years. The lake water has preserved it. That's also some of the purest water uh, on earth. There's, it's not fed by anything other than the, the sky and the runoff. And um, I've heard rangers tell stories that uh, there's a, I think Wizard Island, uh, the, the perfect name. There's an island out in the middle of it. And uh, they've seen fires, people dancing around the fire out there. The rangers got in a boat and went out there. No sign of anybody, no fire. But they clearly heard a chanting and, and saw people dancing around a fire. It's a strange place. That's uh, another place I want to go back and spend some time. I'm headed back to Shasta sometime this summer and uh, not too far on up the road to go to Crater Lake. So, Right. Yeah. One thing about that Crater Lake incident and many others, uh, there always seems to be a high number of children who were taken who have some sort of uh, health issue, whether it's autism or mental deficiency mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Why do you yeah, think that, that is? That I was talking about, it went missing there. It's like, I don't know if it's maybe uh, children like that, say if it's a human predator or something like that, they're more susceptible, more open to uh, suggestion and things. We covered a case of a young lady that uh, she was she was an adult. She lived on her own, I think, in a group home, but she had uh, the mental capacity of a 10-year-old, and uh, she went missing. And her father said she would go with anybody. You know, you offer her a cigarette, a piece of candy or something, she would have gotten in the car. And, you know, my question is, well, why was this person out unsupervised? Why didn't her parents go with her to the bingo game? And she had won $500 at this particular bingo game. So I think somebody uh, took her, robbed her, and, and did no tell what with her. There's a lot of nefarious stuff. I mean, the human predation, that's that's real. That exists. But then you do have people that go missing. I mean, Dennis Martin, the kid I was talking about there at Crater Lake, a lot of children that are on the autism scale, some of them nonverbal. And again, if you think about that, if, if you were planning on taking something and you somehow had that insight and knew about them, uh, why not grab somebody that was nonverbal? There was another case we covered of a kid that went missing and they left like his favorite snacks and candy and stuff out for him, a uh, certain cheese or something that he liked. And he was found alive, but they had to like lure him. He just went off into the woods and kept going and didn't stop and didn't want to come back. And then finally, I guess it dawned on him, you know, hey, it's dark, it's cold. I need to, to find my way out of here. But Again, it's on that spectrum. It's either the children that are have mental deficiencies or adults that are... P- Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. HD level. There's there, there's some in between, but if it is something taking people, it seems to pick and choose. It likes a certain type, uh, a certain uh, intelligence, a certain build, a certain type of athlete. Uh, th- those trail runners, there was a guy that uh, ran up, I think that was Mount Rainier, and uh, never came back down. And uh, the sheriff and the, the search and rescue people said, well, he's not on the mountain. Uh, he didn't come down the mountain. He didn't fall off the mountain. He either went in the mountain or he went up. Now, that's a strange thing for a law enforcement person to say, but that was a, pretty much a direct quote. I'm paraphrasing there, but he, he didn't fall off the mountain. He didn't go back down the mountain. He either went inside the mountain like, you know, in a secret, uh, something opened up and took him and closed back or something took him up. And that that was a, one of my favorite theories of this year, and I'd never even considered this, but uh, it was a Christian person. We were talking about this. And they said, what if the rapture in the Bible, now people don't even believe in it. There's arguments as when it will be and how it will take place. But this person said, so if you do believe in it, how do you know it's a singular event? How do you know that your time to be raptured is the same time as my time to be raptured? And he went on to talk about how the Bible talks about, you know, with God being a, a day can be like a thousand years and a thousand years can be like a day. And he posed to me that question, what if some of these people, it was their time and they were raptured up into heaven? (laughs) It makes just as much sense as any of the other dozen or so explanations. Again, it boggles the mind. Let's get to another question here. This one from Candy, new listener to our show. Thank you so much for tuning us in, Candy, tonight. Do you think the random balls of light being seen by people in forests are carrying beings like Bigfoot and Dogman, etc., from other dimensions, or maybe are connected to beings from Satanic Nap? Uh, again, I don't know. I've seen, depending on where it is, they call them different things. I've seen ghost lights. I've seen spook lights. I've seen fairy lights. Uh, some of them will lead you out of the woods, and then others have led people astray. I knew a guy that was hunting in the Smokies, and this was back in before it was a park following somebody that he thought was another hunter with the lantern. And he walked off about a 12 foot bluff because he watched the lantern bob across it, but it was a fairy light. I've seen the, the, the Brown mountain lights in North Carolina. I've seen those several times. There's no explanation for them and people, Oh, it's a train headlight. It's a car headlight. People in those Hills were seeing those lights before cars were ever up there. And it's, Go there at night and look at them and then go back and look at them in the daytime where you saw those lights. It's like sheer cliff faces. Because the first time I was there, I was like, that looks like somebody with a, a lantern running through the woods. And then I went, I stayed all night. And the next morning when I got up, I could see there's no way anybody could even be in there, let alone running. And uh, I think it, it could be, you know, something that could explain how Bigfoot's able to appear and disappear or uh, like I was saying earlier, maybe they, they have the ability to vibrate at a different frequency that we can or can't see. Two minutes, two questions left. 
This one from Candy. Follow-up. Do any missing people ever remember and tell what happened to them? Yeah, we, we get those cases where, again, like they, they remembered uh, they were in a place where the sun never set, but they were gone maybe two or three days where the sun obviously in our time and in where we are arose and set. And then the obverse of that, there was a man who uh, had only been missing a few hours, yet he saw the sun uh, rise and set two or three times. He thought he'd been missing for days. So, yeah, there are people that uh, have those experiences, Candy. And come, come and check out my channel. We've got all kinds of stuff like that over there. Very true. Final question for you from Brown Dwarf. Mm-hmm. Steve, have you ever investigated a possible changeling case? Uh, other than Riker Webb that we were just talking about there, not to my knowledge, but it, I've read about some. Those are There's some cases in uh, England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, those places. It was a real thing. Uh, back at the time, like I said, when the the, the Fae was uh, basically a religion to those people, there were stories of changelings and, and people uh, finding that their baby had been replaced by a hybrid. And that was part of the reason the Fae folk took human babies was because their bloodline is weak. And then you get off into people comparing it to the Nephilim and, and all this stuff. But it's uh, if you look at Riker Webb, that kid was different. He, he changed, that's for sure. Now, whether he's a changeling or not, that's not for me to say, but that that's one that, that would come close to that, Browndorf. He's my buddy out in L.A. I love Browndorf. 20 seconds. Let everybody know where they can find Missing Persons Mysteries. It's here on YouTube, Missing Persons and Mysteries, my other channel, 13 Past Midnight. My books are available on Amazon. I've got uh, Strange Things in the Woods, Just What It Sounds Like. My Strange World, which is autobiographical account of just some of my paranormal experiences. And then I've got a National Park Mysteries and Disappearances series, volumes one, two, and three. Same kind of stuff we cover on the channel, but we can go into more detail detail and uh, in-depth in the books because of YouTube and things you can't say. That's right. Our good friend Steve Stockton from Missing Persons Mysteries. Hit subscribe on his channel today. We love him around here. Happy New Year, Steve. Coming up next. See you a little further on down the trail. Swamp Dwellers up next to kick off hour number three on Spaced Out Radio. Night, everybody. Thank you. Tell your pets I said hi. (laughs) My little catchphrases there that people love to hear. See you further on down the trail. Tell your animals I said hi. That's awesome, buddy. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on. Got t-shirts with that on it. People made their own (laughs) t-shirts. And Edna, I don't think she's here tonight. She's one of my regulars. She's got a, a sweatshirt that says Steve Stockton is my spirit animal. <laughs> uh, quickly, well, here, my, my spirit animal is Keith Richards. So there you go. Quickly here before you go, Horror Realm is asking about the girl in West Virginia. I know they found her butt on her body, but they think I, they think uh, the two guys that were with her. I, I'm not understanding this one. I'm not sure which case you're referring to there. But, or body. Uh, Sorry, we're, we're working using text and type. He apologizes. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that, that, that kind of jogs my memory about a case where a girl went missing, the three of them were hiking, and the two guys came back, and that happens like that Bigfoot story. The, the, yeah. Albert Osman's stories in that one. And then the other one's the guy and the girl that where they went in the woods, he was going to introduce her to Bigfoot. And he claims that uh, Bigfoot took her and ran off with her. But 
his story never wavered. But again, if you'd done something nefarious, what better cover story to come up with than something so unbelievable and unprovable than Bigfoot did it? Very true. And they never arrested him. They never charged him with anything. There was no evidence. Whatever he did, he, he did it well, apparently enough to get away with it. If if that's what happened. Now, that's just my opinion. I can't say one way or the other. All right, buddy. We're going to say goodnight to you. Good night, everybody. Thanks, folks, for being here. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Dave. I hope to see you in May. In I Las hope so, Vegas. too. Look forward to it. Take care, bud. I want to say goodnight to Tiger Lily. Love you, baby. Absolutely. Good night, bud. All right. Thanks. Good night. All right, Steve Stockton, everybody. I will be right back. Get comfy. Uh, we got another great hour coming on up.
I am back. Terry, I see you. Uh, you bring your camera up uh, a little bit because all I got is your chin. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. You look perfect. What a great turnout tonight, everyone. Thank you so much. Fantastic uh, turnout. Very much appreciate it. Want to say a big thank you to my flock, a hat trick of Super Chats by Horror Realm, Ozzy Sue, Jeremy, Surf Jair, T. Tui, and Deb. Thank you so much. It's a great way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so, so much. Very much appreciate it. Very much. Here we go, hour number three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Tractor. Tractor is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. Hey, Swamp Dweller. My name is Pam, and I'm from North Mississippi. I have a paranormal story to share for you. It's not the most scary, but it's actually kind of creepy. Sometimes, though, when I think back on it, it gives me a good laugh. Anyway, I used to live beside an old cemetery when I was a child. Some of these graves were from the 1800s, and they were pretty cool. My house was across the street from the cemetery, and my family and I experienced many events during the 12 years we lived there. We witnessed a large orange gaseous ball roll out of the cemetery gates and down the street before dissipating. We did learn that many people would see these strange gases rising from the cemetery. It was scary and weird. Also, when returning from dates, my sister would frequently see a man standing beside our house. But when my father would go out and check, there would never be anyone there, and there was never and there was never any sort of footsteps or any sign that somebody had been standing or walking around the house at all. 
There were also many nights that the garage door would shake and rattle to the point that it seemed whoever was trying to get into the house would rip the door off the hinges. Again, my dad would go outside and never see a thing. He'd even try slipping around the back of the house in complete darkness, being super quiet to try to sneak up on anybody who may be there. But when my dad would enter the garage, it would go entirely quiet, and there was never a single soul around. Every night, my mom would lay my clothes out for school, but occasionally, I'd have one shoe missing. Everything would be precise as my mother left it the night before, except for that one shoe. We would always find it in the most strange of places. We knew none of us would put it in those areas, because most of the time, none of us could even reach it. But let me get to the funny story, I guess. First, I have to give you a bit of setup. My mom and dad had some great friends who had kids the same age as my sister and me. All their kids had children around our ages, so my dad fixed us a playroom in the basement with all kinds of fun stuff for us kids to do. So one night, while our parents were in the kitchen playing cards, four of us kids were in the basement watching TV, playing on the racetrack or something. This was around 1970, so we didn't have video games, so watching TV or listening to the records was the main activity. It was common knowledge that weird things happened in our house and we kids were sitting around talking about it. The oldest of the kids was a boy. I'll call him D. D was probably around 15 or 16 years old, and he was the group leader. He was the oldest, and he was the only boy. His sister Mela, who was 14, was there. My sister, who was 13, and myself, who was 8, were telling some of the strange things that had gone on around the house, and we all began to hear knocking outside. It sounded like someone was forcefully knocking on the screen door that went into the basement from outside. We told my dad and he checked it out and you guessed it, nothing. So D, being the big bad boy of our group, flopped down in the chair and stated that he was not scared. He said that he didn't believe in ghosts. He then uttered taunting words as if he was speaking to a spirit. But what he said wasn't very nice. Now, I can't recall his exact words, but I remember his sister saying that he'd better hope there's no ghost after all what he said. He then stated that he still would not be scared if someone along open the door right now. Well, guess what happened? About two seconds after, both the basement door and the door to the house flung open at the same time. Now the screen door pulled out and the wood door pushed in. So there had to be two opposite motions for this to happen, and they were both locked. For them to fly open with such force just didn't make any sense. The force was so great both doors nearly came off the hinges. That screen door bent in a weird way, and it never was normal after that, and the doorknob from the wood door was pushed so hard it left a hole in the sheetrock of the wall. So now, there were four of us kids, three girls ages 8 to 15 and one boy, 16, big strong D, knocked all three of us out of his way, running out of that room. He was so terrified that he shoved me, my sister, and his sister into a wall to get by us as we all jumped up and ran to our parents. When I got to my dad, D was in his mother's lap, and D was a big old Mississippi boy. That boy, who wasn't scared of ghosts, crawled into his mother's lap quickly after those doors slammed open. We never really figured out what happened, but D never again said he didn't believe and never again taunted ghosts. I don't know what was wrong with that house. I have to assume living next to a cemetery caused a lot of weird energy to go down. And we say thank you to the Swamp Dweller for coming on in tonight and telling us another spooky story. Swamp Dweller joins us to kick off hour number three each and every Monday through Friday night here on Spaced Out Radio. We absolutely love him when he is here. If you want more stories, 
He's got him on his YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads to check it on out and get your fill of excitement for the night. Yes, from the swamp to the stars, it's time for the UFO Report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. in for an injured and ailing little Timmy Senor, who we call the Timbit around here. Terry Hall rejoins us for tonight. And Terry, your hair is looking immaculate. Your mustache is looking fantastic. And your chin hair is very Elizondo-ish. And we absolutely love you here, man. How you doing? Doing good, my neighbor from the north. How are you this evening? I am good. The snow is starting to fall once again which is always nice, but it's warm here, very warm, just hovering around the freezing level. I tell you, I have gone from heavy jacket to hoodie in the last week, man. Feels great. You know, I moved here from Utah to get away from the snow, to be honest, but I'm sick of the mud. I'd honestly rather have snow. I know. I know. I can handle the snow. The snow is easy. It's the cold when it gets ruthlessly cold. That's what I don't like. That's what I don't like. I, hey, look, in, in parts of Utah and Wyoming, it gets cold, but nothing like what you guys get, at least on a constant basis like you guys get it. Oh, yeah, and January and February haven't arrived yet. Oh. <clears throat> That's okay. We'll get you to Vegas soon, boss. Absolutely. I cannot wait for our fan party, May. Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 19 through 21st. We're going to have more information on that very, very soon here. But uh, Terry, you and I are going to do something a little fun tonight. You know, and what what we're going to do here over the next 40 minutes or so is we are going to discuss and debate your top three UFO stories of the year and my top three UFO stories of the year. So because you are our gracious guest tonight and your facial hair is looking impeccable and that always has pulled around here, we're going to start off with you tonight. (laughs) When you propose this question to me, this has been a really busy year. It just has been. So I figured what I'd do was I would go with a UFO, a USO, and then a story that dealt with kind of everything, uh, and it ties the consciousness part of it in. How's that? 
I think that's great. Give us story number one, and then I'll trade you. Well, I think story number one for me would have to be the uh, Channel Island story because it's gone on basically since January. Uh, the last report I believe we had was in October of the commercial pilots reporting uh, UFOs. And actually, uh, with Ben Hansen's help, uh, we got the tapes from the, the towers and they weren't just keeping it to themselves anymore. They're actually reporting these things on a pretty consistent basis. And it's not just there in the Channel Islands. It's everywhere from New York. The New York Times just did a, a piece on it a few days ago on the uptick of sightings all over New York, uh, Wisconsin, all the way across the United States, and, and of course, Canada as well. So it would, for me, the... The biggest story is just a huge uptick in what's been going on, how it's been reported, and now we have the government saying that even government witnesses can come forward. Well, you know, you know what's really interesting about about that entire story is just the idea that so many people have seen this. And even though this is still going on, there is some sort of debate as to whether or not this has become a hoax, a giant government hoax, a UFO hoax that gotten into the media that's uh, convinced people like Ben Hansen that this is true. But there's a lot of people out there, Terry, that are saying that uh, this Wisconsin sighting is one of the best we've ever had. True. And going to the to the the hoax part of it do you think that's why in the in the new government documents that they were kind of more or less specific about being off-world technologies what if they were area 51 technologies well i think that that's why they were being more specific within saying specifically off-world technology rather than terrestrial stuff that may get exposed. I mean, nobody expected uh, the uh, SR-72 to show up to an air show to show it off to China, but it, it was there. Hmm. Hmm. See, I'm just not sure, man. I'm not sure about this one. You know, I, I've been watching, I'm in a private group with Ben Hansen on Facebook, and I've been watching mm -hmm. him chat about this this same topic in there, and he seems very dumbfounded by this by this story and the eyewitnesses that he has talked to. I mean, they they don't know what the hell was in the sky. That is for sure. I, I, I I'm sure we've all seen the, the the footage of it. But how do you how do you explain something like that? I mean, first they said that it was spotlights. Well. It wasn't a spotlight, and spotlight doesn't shoot off to the left. <laughs> Not one coming out of formation. I mean, that whole thing was just crazy. But here in New York, not three weeks ago, they had UFOs over the Empire State Building. Hmm. Well, I don't know, man. I don't know. And sometimes I don't know is the best answer that we can have. I'm going to move on to my number one story of this year, and I'm going to call it the embarrassment of NASA. 
And for the last couple of months, people have heard me jumping on the back of NASA, you know, wanting to put them in an old iron chic camel clutch and make them tap out because it's just getting ridiculous with what is going on. Now, for history reference, this all started back late spring, early summer, where the executive director of NASA, former astronaut, and I believe former senator Bill Nelson, took over the position. And during one of his first press conferences that he had, out of nowhere, he starts talking about UFOs and the fact that he believes we are not alone and that he has talked to numerous Navy pilots who have had encounters with UFOs and he's read hundreds of reports of this and says NASA needs to start digging in and looking into this. Now, my criticism of this is during his speeches when he has brought this up, never once has he mentioned that he runs NASA and that he needs to open the closet doors of his own organization to figure out what is going on. We have had numerous astronauts since the Gemini program kicked things off in the early 60s who have come out and stated that they had interesting encounters up in the stars. And there has also been recordings that almost every rocket ship that has flown from NASA, including the shuttle missions, right up till Elon Musk recently stating that there are anomalies following our rockets when they go into the stars. And for Bill Nelson not to open up about this and to not even bring NASA up and then wasting $100,000 to hire a bunch of scientists from universities to investigate UFOs, I think this is a collective slap right across the face of people of this world. And it really, really picks my hiney, and that's picking in deep, because I got a big ass, okay? <laughs> it really bugs me, man, that not a single person in the media has ever asked Bill Nelson, where's the NASA files? Where's the reports of your astronauts? From Neil Armstrong to John Glenn to McDivitt to Cooper to dozens of others who've seen things. This is where I have a problem. Well, stop and think for a second. Uh, from Cooper, who was the first man in orbit, basically, and uh, uh, stating that during his flight, on the flight recorder, stating that there was things around the capsule, to, let's say, to Armstrong, and the Apollo program. Well, Armstrong uh, and Aldrin have both stated that something followed them to the moon. But they've also stated that we were smart enough, quote-unquote, not to call Houston and say, hey, there's something following us. So by the time, in between Cooper and the Apollo program, it was already known that you don't mention this. 
It's also been rumored that when they're talking about seeing Santa on the moon, well, Santa was supposed to be code for the others are up here and they're watching us. Um, and then, of course, there's always been the rumor and, and supposed uh, witness testimony about the, let's just call it the airbrush room at NASA, where they airbrush the pictures and remove the things that they don't want us to see. So it could be the, that it was just his attempt with spending $100,000 and let's we'll just say breaking the fourth wall to break through that finally and have it exposed. It, they just don't know how to do it. Uh, kind of sort of what Tom DeLong said was his approach was to make the government the hero rather than making them the villain. So I understand you being upset with NASA, but being upset with the personnel with what's with the alphabet agencies that are also running NASA is I, I can see him between being between a rock and a hard place and not knowing exactly what to do. So just kind of throwing that against the wall to see if it sticks. Well, I understand that, but you know what? I'm also of the notion that you don't open your mouth unless you know what's behind you. Okay especially when you run an organization like NASA. And for him who runs the biggest space agency in the world to sit there and not even bring up the fact that NASA astronauts have had encounters, it's hypocritical. It's condescending. If I was a politician in the United States who had an interest in this subject, like Gillibrand or Rubio or many others, I would be asking that question. Bill, you're talking about aliens. What does NASA know? And don't give me the politically correct statement, we know nothing. Because we could subpoena numerous astronauts to let us know what they saw. We can do that whether it's publicly or well, behind closed doors. Story Musgrave. NASA has not always. Very true. And NASA always hasn't had a great bedside manner either. You're talking about humiliation. Can you imagine what the first astronauts felt like when they found out a chimp was going into space? That that couldn't have been great. So, I don't know, Terry. I think you're right. I think you're right, though. That was almost like speaking out of turn. It was a slap in the face. It doesn't really matter how you look at it. Oh, totally. Totally. Everybody involved in this field. Okay. And and here's another one, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize on how much of a narrative is being played here. Why hasn't Chris Mellon or Lou Elizondo spoken up for NASA, saying, hey, they have been critical about the U.S. government. They've been critical about the United States Navy. They've been critical about what the government is holding regarding crash retrievals and potential ET contact, Terry. Why haven't some of these bigger names spoken up and said, hey, NASA, hey, Bill Nelson, 
don't you tell us what you know? Why don't you tell us what your organization is hiding? They've called out everybody else. Why not call out the big dogs with this? Do you think that's coming with the uh, with the new language in the government? No. I think the new language in the government, in the NDAA that just came out, Terry, is literally mm-hmm. for behind-the-scenes purposes, and the public will get zero, nothing, nil, nada. That's what I believe. I've had the same feeling about that uh, due to the way it's written. I had one person. Uh, I had one person come up to me. We've got twenty seconds left. I had one person, one of my sources, come up to me recently and say, "Dave, I didn't want to believe that you were right, but I called you to tell you you're right. We're not going to get any. You were right. Yeah. 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 So, Terry, I'm going to get you to hold on Surprise. right there. Because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. we got 30 minutes left on Spaced Out Radio. And Terry Hall is filling in for the ailing Tim Senor on the UFO Report. Stories number two and stories number three of our top three each of 2022. Stay tuned. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Yeah, it's a bummer for me with NASA because I was one of those kids. I was old enough to, to be sitting in front of the TV when we landed on the moon. That you know, they were astronauts are always my heroes. Yeah, and NASA was always just a just <laughs> something out there for me. And I don't know, like you said, it's a slap in the face. Absolutely. Uh, YJ brings up a good point here, Dave. When will you start talking about the fact that certain agents threat agencies threaten people? who aren't able to be paid off. Uh, yeah, I. you know what? YJ, probably the reason why I haven't talked about that is because all I've heard is rumors about that. And when you're in a position like mine, you got to be very, very careful to get things confirmed before you kind of throw it out there. Like the stuff that I'm talking about, like with NASA, that's all public information. Uh, stuff I've I've learned from other sources, I try and bring to you. So it is about uh, it is about it's a very very uh, slick road that you have to take. Okay, it's it, hard to vet that kind of information too. You know. And- where you got to look when you're vetting that kind of information can get you in trouble. Oh yeah. I, I'm not so worried about the, the getting in trouble. I just want, I, I just want to try and be as factual as possible uh, to our audience. You know what I'm saying? You know, like there's a lot of people in this field who have no problem over speaking um, on a number of different topics. Uh, that can get highly controversial and highly conspiratorial. Now, I'm not saying it isn't happening because, like you, uh, YJ, and others, I've heard those stories. I've heard them. And, you know, but there's a difference between hearing them and finding out actual facts about them. And I have to be careful with that, with SOR being a business, because if I throw out something that isn't factual, I could get the company in trouble. 
And I don't want to be doing that either because I don't need to. And I like my business partner. And, you know, so there's a number of different ways. But I do believe, and trust me, I, I'm not, YJ, I'm not saying that you're wrong, dude. I'm not saying that you're wrong. Okay. All I'm saying is, as a show, unless I have strong proof where somebody has come up to me, one of my sources has come up to me and said, hey, by the by the way, did you know that scientist Jane Doe was studying alien abductions and about to go public with her research before she ate a plate of spaghetti at a restaurant in, in uh, New York and dropped dead right there? Like, I have to be very careful with stuff like that. So, but uh, YJ, I agree with you. I've seen the, I've seen those stories, but I personally have not had anybody come up to me to confirm that. And that's the slippery slope in the game we play. Hi, Derek Ning. And once again, YJ, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. Okay. And I think there is something to that. I just have to be careful. Not for my own safety, but just for factual evidence. Data derivations, how are you? Good to see you. Uh, That's what makes you the best journalist in the field, Dave. Well, there's better than me out there. There is. Once I can do this, see, here's the thing, people. And I've said this to Terry. Once I'm able to concentrate and do this job full-time and not have to worry about a daytime job that that pays my bills, pays my mortgage, okay, then it's a whole different game. Then you're going to see a giant shift on this show because literally during the day, I am going to be on the phone all day. I'm going to be talking to people, talking to sources. None of this texting bullshit, okay, none of this, uh, you know, quick hit Facebook messenger group. I want to be on the telephone with people saying, Hey, let's trade some information here. Let, tell me what you got. I'm hearing the a, are you hearing a, or are you hearing B? Right. Hi, D Swagger. Well, you're, in, you're, in a, you're in a singular position, Dave, because there's so many people in this field that if you dig back just a little bit in their past, they've all made their own mistakes. Uh, yeah. Hold on, Terry. Terry, we got, we got to get going here. Here we go. We've rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, 
and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with the top three stories that both Terry Hall and myself have for 2022 in the UFO world. Terry's filling in for Tim Senor, who is ailing tonight after getting a bed bug biting off his face, literally. I'm not even joking about that. That's what kind of makes it funny. But Terry, thank you so much. Sweet. So much for joining us, my man. How are you? <laughs> Doing wonderful. Yeah, it was in his sleep, he woke up like that. Oh. I know. All right, what's your story number two here? Okay, so we covered the air. Let's cover the water. Uh, in October of this year, I believe it was the Oklahoma. My apologies, I don't have my notes. Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In front of me. Uh, which is a nuclear submarine that was patrolling in the South China Sea, had a collision underwater that injured 11 sailors, and they actually had to go to the repair docks in Guam. It was... Uh, it, it it didn't breach the hull, but it was one heck of an accident. I remember that story. I forgot about that one. See, I don't know whether that was UFOs or Megalodon. <laughs> you and your sharks, Dave. You Terry, sharks. I'm telling you right now, man, this is why I tell people don't go in the ocean. All right. When a submarine a giant blue, when a stealth submarine top of its class in the United States Navy, the most powerful force in the world, can get damaged by something large and unknown. There's only a couple of explanations for this. It's a Kraken, which, by the way, other submarines have been attacked before. By by yeah. large yeah. large squid like kraken, okay. Mm-hmm. It's either megalodon, which I think is still in the ocean somewhere. Max Hawthorne believes there's giant thirty five to forty five foot super sharks, super, what he calls super great whites, in the ocean, and we know that area is packed with sharks. Okay, yeah. and that's why Dave will not even dip a pinky toe into a bathtub in those areas. All right. You just (laughs) never know. You never know what's coming down the drain. Or it's a UFO. I mean, realistically, it could be a Chinese or Russian submarine, but let's keep this to the woo here because we don't need any of that potential factual stuff. 
No, no, well, no. A- apparently, it was traveling at quite a clip. Um, and if it would have been, uh, you would imagine that if it would have been uh, uh, another country's submarine, that it would have been tracked long before they ran into it. They have hyper-accurate maps of the area, so they didn't run into a sea mound or a shipwreck. So, I mean, there is the giant bloop in the ocean. They were tracking that great white. It disappeared in very deep water, and they heard the, the loudest and deepest sound that's ever been recorded. They still don't know what made that sound. Uh, oop, excuse me. And it was all in the area, but I believe that the, I believe that was an, uh, a wreck with the USO. Um, they never did show the damage. Of course, it's a classified submarine, but they never did show any photos, photographs of the damage at all. No. No, I I know there was footage years ago of another submarine, the one I said that was attacked by a giant squid, okay, where they actually showed scratch marks going down the hull, and there was actually, from one of the squid's tentacles, there was a claw that had broken off, that had stuck inside the hull. I remember that. Okay. I remember that. So, I mean, look, we don't know what's in the ocean. That's what scares the hell out of me. We don't know what's in the ocean, whether it's in the cold waters of the Antarctic or the warmer waters of the South Pacific. We don't know. We know in this area, uh, this incident happened between Taiwan and Japan and China, okay, in that Mm -hmm. vicinity where, number one, there's a large shark contingent. Number two, it's a contested area between China and Taiwan in in a political battle. And number three... We know that it's one of the hottest areas for military exercises as well. So there is possibility. It could have been a Russian sub, a Chinese sub, could have been a, a USO. It could have been absolutely anything. It's, it, it's unfortunate that that's one of those stories, Terry, that we're not going to find out the answers for. There's anything that has to do with craft, unless it's, Rex in your front yard, we're never going to have a solid answer for Very it. true. Very true. Love this one. I'm going to move on to my number two here, if you don't mind. My number two is going to stick with the United States Navy. Okay, because I think this year when the United States Navy came out right before the congressional hearings, or right after the congressional hearings, when there was rumors there was going to be a second congressional hearing, they were very proactive. And they said, we're not giving you anything else. You're not getting any videos, Mr. and Mrs. Politicians. You're not getting any information from us. We are done with this topic, and you can basically take UFOs and shove it. We're done. We don't need to provide anything to you. Now, what's scary about that is the military is supposed to be the protector of the people. It's not supposed to be its own entity. Okay? And when you have a military uh, that is stating, we're not giving you anything, I am very surprised that this 
maybe if it wasn't UFOs, it would be different. But I'm very surprised that the president or the Congress people didn't call for the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to fire the head of the Navy. Why, why didn't they fire him for basically telling the American people to screw it? Because I think the Navy got tired of being the Navy to the rescue as far as the UFO, uh, whole UFO deal was concerned. Uh, you were looking at the Navy uh, to their aviators, and the Navy is our sailors. I think it was the Navy's attempt to get the Air Force to become proactive in this because they should be and they haven't been. Maybe they overstepped it and said, we're not giving you anything, which I don't agree with. I'm like you. I, I come from a military family. My family served our country. Uh, there were secrets that all of them kept, uh, but they were more secrets about things that go boom rather than things that go zip across the sky. And for them to to completely shut everything out, of course, just like you said, it's wrong. Um, I agree. I was really surprised when I heard that and, and honestly angry when I heard that. You should have been. Every American should have been. Here, Here's the other thing that we have to remember, Terry. Okay. This is, this is something that's five years in the making. When Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon joined the two, the stars Academy, and they presented the three videos of UFOs, Elizondo had to sign off on those with under the direction of Chris Mellon. He had to sign off on those videos as drones because if he would have labeled them as UFOs or UAP, whatever you want to call them, they would have been put in the top secret list, those videos. Okay, yeah. now... Or for congressional, yeah, like congressional use only. I, but here, but yeah. here's the other slap in the face about that. The To the Stars Academy put their logo on United States Navy property. So when those videos hit the media, you didn't see property of the U.S. Navy. You saw to, property of this To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science. Yes. That's theft. That is theft. Okay? No matter how you look at it, it's theft. And then we also heard after that that Elizondo and Mellon were hauled in and almost got their top secret clearance taken away because of that rogue move. But here we go with the Navy, you know, because those videos put the Navy in the hot seat. It The whole 2004 incident with the USS Nimitz. And I think what happened is the Navy finally said, screw you guys, we are done. We are done. And in one way, I don't blame them. But in another way, if I was American, I would be calling my congressperson and saying, how do you let the United States Navy talk to you that way? They work for us. We don't work for the military-industrial complex. They work for us. Well, that's not what it feels like down here in the United States, Dave. <laughs> I hear you there. Hey, the military-industrial <laughs> complex was smart. They don't build an aircraft or a ship all in one city. 
They parse out the parts to every state. So when the Navy or the Air Force says, oh, you want to cut our budget? Well, maybe we'll have to pull that plant, uh, Mr. Congressman, out of your state and move it somewhere that's else. Actually, that's actually what happened with the Abrams tank. Uh, it's a very outdated platform. They said they don't need to build it anymore. However, if they cut production, it would shut five different cities down. Yeah. That's and what so it. they keep building them. Absolutely. All right, your third and final story here, my man. This one crosses continents, uh, and it crosses the consciousness connection, and it crosses UFOs. And it happened to be my own personal deal. And your own personal deal, Dave. Um, I was working with a research crew in the Uinta Basin over the summer. And we were having odd incidences happening all day at 11 minutes past the hour. Batteries dying, cameras going dead, all this kind of stuff. Well, at 11, 11 p.m., Dave Scott calls me and directs me to a UFO sighting that we documented. Um, what is so crazy about the whole thing is Dave is about 1,800 miles away from me and could see apparently very clearly what was going on in our area. For me, Dave, that's my top number one of all time. Blows everything else out of the water because it connects everything together. I'm just going to say that I had a feeling that tonight is going to be a good night. Tonight's going to be a good night. Uh, <laughs> no, that was um, uh, that was a strange night. I remember sitting in the studio here. I had just finished working on the website. I was on the phone with you because uh, you're you were an hour ahead, and I just had a feeling. I said, hey, man, I need you to do me a favor. Point your camera to, uh, north at between 11 and 11.30 and look up and tell me what you see. Just had a feeling. And then all of a sudden, Terry starts throwing swear word expletive after swear word expletive and saying the sky is filled with lights. Just, Full of them. Just Full now. of them. Just we knew. had we had some brand new psionics cameras out on that expedition. It was in the Uinta Basin. Uh, I was sitting in the back of the RV, uh, doing some paperwork and trying to get some cameras hooked up correctly. Um, eleven eleven p.m. My phone rings and it's Dave, and Dave asked me, "What direction are you facing?" And they told him, well, I'm sitting outside. I'm sitting in the back of the RV, RV, Dave. And he said, go outside and face north and look up at about 11, 1130. Tell me what you see. Which I did. Uh, I turned the, the psionics on and I pointed up at where Dave directed me to go. And there was two binary pairs. Of, I thought originally were a binary pair of stars. And I panned away about 100 degrees to the right, and the sky was loaded with these binary 
pairs of lights. Just they were everywhere. As I turned back to the original place where Dave told me to look, the binary pair of stars, which were the original orientation was two were horizontal and two were vertical. So it was like an L shape. Uh, when I turned back, they were now lined up straight like, uh, like an I. The first one, or the one at the top of the letter, flashes, gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer until it's gone. Like it's going away from the camera. Then the second one did the same thing. Flashed and got dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and was gone. The third and the fourth. All in about a, what would you say, Dave? About a five-minute period, four-minute period? Yeah, something like that. It was... It was fairly extended, but we had, we have it, we documented it on several cameras. Uh, there were, there was myself, uh, one, two, three, and four, four other people there that evening. And we all witnessed it, but it was across two, it was a, it was across two countries from Canada to the United States, from Victoria, British Columbia, or thereabouts, to the Uinta Basin in Utah with consciousness being at its source. And to me, Dave, that's why I'm in this research part of this, aside of what happened to me physically, is the consciousness connection to all of this. And that, to me, Dave, proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Well, it was weird. My final story... My number one story for this year is, and, I, and I'm a homeboy here, is the Canadian government and members of parliament starting to talk about UFOs and the news stories yeah. that have broken out of here. And where I'm most proud of the Canadian government is they are not falling for this threat narrative. The United States government from Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, and many others have been pushing a threat narrative for too long. And it's made its way into government. And the one thing we know about the American government when it comes to defense is if you want money, there's got to be a threat. And then, and a then threat. you get the yep. unlimited paycheck that comes along mm -hmm. with it. All right. And the Canadian government... And I sh and members of parliament have come out, talked to scientists, talked to the Department of National Defense, and many other of our al alphabet agencies, trying to figure out what are we going to do with those reports. They have suggested, the members of parliament have suggested, that this topic needs to go under scientific review with an office that all reports are sent to and kept public and kept public as long as they don't interfere with the relationship with NORAD and the NORAD agreement between the United States and Canada. And mm -hmm. the other very interesting part about that that got little to no play except on this show is that the Department of National Defense has told members of parliament there is no threat narrative in Canadian skies or Canadian military training areas, or over nuclear power facilities where unidentified flying objects 
have been recorded. So I think it's a brazen step and a brave step towards opening up this dialogue here in Canada. I don't think this subject is going to go very far with Justin Trudeau still in power because he has other interests in mind, even though he's been read into the subject since 2019. But the idea that they would, I don't want to say slap our American military friends in the face with this, but I would love for Tucker Carlson or somebody along those lines to come out and say, how come the Canadian Department of National Defense doesn't look at this as a threat? I would love for that to happen, and yet it hasn't, and it won't, and that's what's scary. But I I want to give kudos to my number one story this year, the Canadian government looking at at UFOs from a scientific perspective and not a threat to national security perspective. I think that's a highly mature response to, to what is going on, and let's hope that they continue that moving into 2023. Terry Hall, I want to say a big thank you for doing your top three and my top three great stories you picked and uh, I hope you felt the same about mine, even though they probably... Oh, I did. I do. I Perfect. surely do. Perfect. And a big thank you for filling in for an ailing uh, little Timmy Senor on tonight's UFO report, my man. Thanks for having me on. Glad I could help, Dave. All right, you stick around. We're going to get ready to say goodnight tonight as we say thank you to both Terry Hall and Swamp Dweller for making it a very interesting hour number three here on Spaced Out Radio. Thank you to Steve Stockton for coming on in and doing a great program on Missing Persons as well. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAB, Facebook, Spreaker, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Woo Train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we have room for them, too. Good night.
Between all too early mornings and way too late nights, putting out fires and firing off new ideas, you deserve to be rewarded for growing your business. That's why American Express Blue Business Plus gives you two times membership rewards points on your first $50,000 in purchases per year. It's rewards that make running your business even more rewarding. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash blue dash business dash plus. Amex Blue Business Plus. Built for business by American Express. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.